five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. And we are on day number three of a three-day journey to Dubai. Amazing and incredible. We've been covering this story all through this week, just like we've been uh, discussing over the last couple of months, this amazing historic agreement between Israel and the UAE and what it's done uh, to our community worldwide, what it's done to Israel, and what it's done uh, here in Dubai. It has been an incredible and amazing journey as we have seen up close and personal uh, just the uh, uh, amazing influx of people from Israel and the amazing reception that those people from Israel are getting here in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. We have our full team here, of course as we broadcast from 7,000 miles away and bring you special guests. And we are heading into our uh, first hour this morning with a very, very special guest, somebody who can enlighten us about life here in Dubai and certainly can give us an amazing perspective when it comes to the business community here in Dubai. He is the Deputy Managing Director of Oasis Investments. He is Vice Chair of Al-Shirawi Group of Companies. He is a founding member of the UAE-Israel Business Council, um, Thani, uh, Thani Al-Shirawi, correct? You, you pronounced it perfectly. Oh, I'm very proud of myself, <laughs> especially this early in the show. <laughs> and it is an honor to welcome you to what we call our JM and the AM radio broadcast. I mean, the honor is mine. This is my first radio uh, interview uh, in the States, so uh, I am uh, on top of the moon at the moment. <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> I thank you for that. Um, well, I mean, let's start with what life was like before there was an agreement between the UAE and Israel. Because one of the things, frankly, that we've discovered, none of us have been to the UAE before, mm-hmm. is that for the last few decades, the UAE had been building up an incredible residential area, plus an amazing tourist destination. So what was it like here for the decades before there was a direct relationship between Israel and the UAE? Uh I am not that old, or I would say I'm young. I'm uh, 45 years old, and uh, I've seen uh, three Dubais. The Dubai that I grew up in as a teenager uh, was, I would say, a small city. Uh, Where we are at the moment uh, was desert. There was nothing here. I remember it like yesterday. Uh, The uh, airport that you came in was literally... 5% 5% in, in, in size. And then Dubai grew. Uh, and uh, the Dubai of my 20s and early 30s was the starting of the transformation. And I would say that was the uh, turning point when we saw the desert getting further and further uh, away from the city. And uh, we saw more high rises coming up. Uh, more foreigners while as a uh, as a city Dubai being a trading hub for decades we are used to foreigners Uh, we locals are the minority here and we were okay with that we were uh, we were never feeling threatened we always had people from the sub uh, from the sub Indian continent we had people from East Africa we had uh, from other Arab countries uh, Europeans and even some uh, from Persia but uh, this was when more people started coming started seeing more nationalities that were not used to Brazilian Canadians uh, Dutch 
we had German, but we didn't have Dutch. We had uh, Spanish, we didn't have Portuguese. So that was, I would say, a transformation. Mm -hmm. And Dubai was becoming more international. I mean, no longer, I mean, I studied in the States from 93 to 97. Whenever anybody asked me, where are you from? And I would say, well, do you know Saudi Arabia? They say, <laughs> yes, because it was after the Gulf War. Right. Okay. Uh, yes, we are next door. And But then I stopped saying Saudi Arabia because, you know, right away they used to ask me, can women drive in your country? Okay. And here, women, I mean, it, unlike Saudi, Saudi Arabia, uh, women here, uh, I would say we portray ourselves as uh, being a patriarch uh, society. But let me tell you, we are not. Uh, the women wear the pants. <laughs> <laughs> Not the men. <laughs> there are plenty of roles here. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then Dubai of today. Dubai of today is an international place. Dubai, I no longer have to say, where is Dubai? On the contrary, now from where is Dubai has turned, wow, you're, you're from Dubai. And that is a big difference for us as locals uh, and growing up uh, and growing up uh, here. We are proud of our city. We are happy of uh, what we have achieved in a very, very short time. We'll talk about Israel in a moment, but Thani, if I may, when you were studying in the U.S. in the mid-90s, that was where? In what state of the uh, For one year I was in Texas, and for three years I was, in, uh, I was in Boston. And there's a an impression, uh, I think, among most Americans that um, that people from this side of the world, people who live in this neighborhood, so to speak, yes. Saudi Arabia and its surrounding area, yes. uh, are, are of a certain background, uh, maybe limited education. I think that might be an impression, especially in the 90s, of, yes. that, that people may have had there. And then you come there, and they discover that there's somebody who's, not just somebody, but you're representing thousands, if not so many more, yes. that want to advance and want to take advantage of an American education in their own country. Uh, definitely, and the country w uh, and the country itself, the countries, I would say, in this t in this uh, neighborhood, not only the United Arab Emirates, were encouraging that. Right. They were uh, sponsoring and sending students on scholarships, especially for fields that we needed, such as medicine, such as uh, theori uh, theoretical science. Fields that were lacking here and had to be filled exactly exactly and some of the fields also and uh, some countries were even uh, 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 discussing with some banks or some companies in the United States to give internship experience right. to uh, to the uh, to the students and uh, I was one of the guys that benefited from so what was your impression I mean Texas and Boston okay we're from New York but what and I assume you visited New York at, um, at certain I, I, I love that city. so what what are your impressions? Because we came here knowing that New York is the capital of the world, quote unquote, yes. and started saying to ourselves, you know, there may be a shift because this capital of the world and, you know, where everybody gravitates to that's such so attractive. We, we think that this area now, after just being here a couple of days, could actually take some of that away from New York. Do you still think New York is at the top of the list when it comes to uh, this category? First of all, let me give uh, uh, myself and our leaders a pat on the back for a New Yorker to say that oh, yeah. he thinks that we are, uh, we are, I mean, I know New Yorkers how proud they are. And living in Boston, I experienced it. I mean, whenever I went to New York to visit and I tell them I'm from Boston, I experienced it firsthand. Uh, first Even that, that degree? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I could not walk in the streets wearing a Boston 
Boston Red Sox uh, hat. Yes. Boy. Yeah. They were, uh, I mean, uh, for God's sake, uh, they still, I mean, Boston. Trust me, they're still public enemy number one in New York. I, I know, I know. I mean, uh, Boston did not forget Babe Ruth and New York. They remind us every single time about, <laughs> about Babe Ruth. So, uh, and that was a long time ago. Exactly, exactly. And living uh, two streets away from Fenway Park. Okay, Is that so where you were? <laughs> exactly. In exactly. the middle of college town. Yeah, yeah. And on uh, Brookline uh, yeah. Street, if you've sure. been there, uh, there sure. is a huge uh, synagogue. I was That's literally correct. I was uh, literally 10 meters away. Unbelievable. Uh, so uh, uh, I would say the uh, Dubai, uh, okay, it's very difficult today to say uh, one country or one city to be the capital. Right. But definitely uh, I would not, I will still put New York ahead. Uh, you have many laps ahead of us. Uh, but I would say Dubai is up there. Especially uh, in the tourism category. Especially in the tourism right. category. Uh, that we've achieved. Of course, we don't have the nightlife uh, or the music. I mean, I love the musicals. Uh, when I go there every night, right. I am... Th those I shows aren't gravitating here yet. But not yet. Right. I mean, the cultural side hasn't right. come yet. Let me put it this way. While the investments are here to our size, not in New York size, the investments are here, the tourists we get, uh, the city tourists. I mean, a lot of New Yorkers, uh, they don't come for the culture. They come for the city tourists, right. for the buzz. For the elect for the for the concrete yeah. jungle, as I, they call I it. I come for the space, frankly, because <laughs> you know in Manhattan we're really cramped, and yes. here it's yes. just amazing how you build <laughs> yes. and the, and the type of space we get to enjoy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if uh, actually if you go to the other uh, cities in the country, you will even find it bigger. I mean, they actually like how you explain Manhattan to us. Right. We explain Dubai to them right. <laughs> that our place is cramped. Frankly, only in Scandinavia did I feel comfortable being this size until I got here. I, I felt finally there's some room to, to move around for somebody my size. Uh, are you sure? Because I visit Sweden quite often yeah. and uh, a lot of times I have to walk into the room sideways. <laughs> because Interesting. It's, it's tight. <laughs> well, if you notice the, ta the tables and counters are much <laughs> yes. higher than the United States. Yes. Let's put it yes. that way. Yes. So now we get to the Israel piece of and, course. and you know why we're here. We're yeah. here because of this incredible story that we're trying to bring to our listeners. Everyone knows about it and the people that listen yep. to us are familiar with the deal. Yes. But coming and seeing it with our own eyes, hearing it with our own ears is simply remarkable. Definitely. We have spoken to people that were stunned, especially on the Jewish-Israeli side, that were stunned in August when all this started to quickly develop. Was it as stunning here? Did you expect that there would be a UAE-Israel friendship and one that would accelerate the way this has? Uh, to be honest, uh, this is an, uh, uh, an old desperation for the, that I've been having. For the past 10 years, I've been reaching out to uh, to uh, uh, through social uh, I mean thanks to social I mean to right. social media it right. has good things too <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> yeah I was reaching to people in Israel discussing I like I mean being a history buff and and I love discussions about philosophy about re religion so I was discussing with Israelis a lot of points politics uh, religion and uh, uh, when I talk to somebody my point is not to convince them nor nor uh, my job is for them to hear my point of view and f to hear their point of view and then at the end of the day you be the judge of whatever you want to believe uh, so uh, I was listening to them and I was aspiring for peace from I would say from the second half of my teens uh, I was aspiring for peace I read a quote by Napoleon I mean himself being a warlord he said the second worst thing uh, after uh, the second worst thing in a battle is winning. 
when he saw his soldiers uh, dead on mm -hmm. uh, in the field. So the same thing, I would say, w regardless who won and who lost the war. Okay, we lost um, uh, all of the wars, but if you go to the family of uh, of uh, uh, of uh, of uh, okay, sorry, if you go to a family that have lost a loved one in a war, and you tell them we won the war, how do you think they would feel? Yeah. How do you think they would feel? They'd say at a very, very big cost. Exactly. Yeah. They lost a brother, I mean, yeah. a father, a mother, a cousin, a son. You know that everyone in Israel can relate to what you're saying. A hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, w w why can't we can't why can't we be friends, and then negotiate peace? Because if you're negotiating peace with adversaries, you are playing poker. Let us let us face it. If you are negotiating with uh, with adversaries, but if you are negotiating with friends. You are building a partnership, and we need to build a partnership. So I'm not a politician. I'm not a diplomat. I'm a businessman. And, uh, okay, some people nowadays call me a peace mm -hmm. propagator. Okay, so, so yes, uh, I was reaching out, and August, and I was loud on social media. I, uh, I even changed my belief in the word Zionism that has been vilified in the Arab world. It's been vilified in my education system, myself. Here. Here. Here, I mean, until 1990, we were not allowed to say Israel in school. We used to call it the Zionist re regime without understanding what does Zionism mean. <laughs> so they never explained to us what does Zionism mean. It just it's an evil thing. It's a bad thing. So when I understood the word Zionism, I changed. When I was reading books here and there about about the about the problem and about what does Zionism really really mean, I was saying. For God's sake, why are we fighting? We are both saying the same thing in a different way. We are looking at the same crystal, but we are looking looking at it from a different angle, so the reflection is different. But we are holding the same crystal. So then I was trying to explain Zionism to my fellow Arabs and Muslims. What does Zionism mean? Zionism is coexistence. Zionism is, plural, is pluralism. It's the right of the Jewish people to live in the Holy Land with everybody else. It, nowhere it says kick somebody else, kick out. Now, if a small group of people use this slogan for, uh, f uh, to do uh, some actions and they justified it you don't blame the ideology you don't blame zionism you blame these people in islam we've had lots of people and you as new yorker you've suffered of people from that i share with them a race a religion that have vilified my religion my religion that i love my religion that i believe in i'm a devout muslim I believe in my religion, and my religion, unfortunately, has been vilified in, in the world. I mean, you know, you were in the United States. You know the general impression. Thank God I was there before September 11. I wouldn't have imagined how would I feel if I was there at some, uh, during September, uh, September 11. Uh, was that a terribly sad day for you? Def 100%. Uh, because three, day, three months after that, I was on my honeymoon, and I was in there. Suddenly, the guy in the elevator taking me to the top floor. Suddenly, I remembered him. The guy in the souvenir shop, I remembered him. The guy that I took uh, that that uh, that uh, takes f uh, pic pictures for for souvenir, I remembered him. Suddenly, all of these just appeared. It was I mean, all the I, innocent people. All the, I mean, what did they have to do? I mean, Mr. Bin Laden. Okay, what did you achieve? You made made um, uh, made me. 
uh, made people think that I'm a terrorist. These people that have nothing to do. If you have a problem with the United States, why do you hit? Why do, I mean they're not even collateral damage? I mean you are at, you you targeted them, and he did it in the name of your religion, exactly. which makes it even so much more painful. Exactly. So uh, so that's the point that we need that I was trying to address when somebody does something, and this hits close to Arabs and Muslims because we know we are not terrorists. There is a less than one percent of people that believe in that ideology, that evil ideology that have vilified Islam, uh, and. And we, it hurts us. Are the majority of Muslims happy with this new relationship with Israel? Uh, or majority is the wrong word to use? Uh, the majority, unfortunately, I'll be very honest with you, the majority is, uh, is uh, the wrong word to use. But uh, we are in a country that we believe in our leadership a lot. Our leadership years after years have proven to us that they want our welfare. We are not the only country with oil. But look into the other countries. Iran has oil. What what did Iran do with that oil? Iraq has oil. What did Iraq do that to do with their oil? Venezuela has oil. What did they do with that with that oil? Kuwait has oil. Uh, Saudi Arabia has uh, has oil. It, this, it's important what you do with it. And and our leadership have proven that they want our welfare. So there there, there is a percentage of people that are like me that are on cloud nine. I can't wait till the COVID is over to visit Israel. I can't wait. Uh, and there are some people that are re reserved because don't forget we've been adversaries in our education system on the newspaper and before August 13 uh, we were adversaries and uh, on August 13 suddenly you cannot expect a switch but but it seems that way it's so interesting because because of us accepting f foreigners we are okay with foreigners right. we we had a lot of Jewish people visit we had a lot of Jewish people Just visit not from here, Israel. but not from Israel. Right. Okay, because even before we were saying we do not have a problem with the Jewish faith. We had the problem with Israel right. as being an adversary. Right. Yeah, with the politics. But now, like me, like me, I want the peace with the Israelis and the Palestinians. If, if one state, two state, that's not up to me. My my leadership has said to to. You would recommend to your colleagues in the PA to sit down at the. Uh, at a real peace table. Uh, if I can use a word stronger than recommend, I would use. Uh, I would... Uh, Implore them. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because they need to sit across the table and read somewhere. But first, if they, if they give themselves opportunity, if they give them the Palestinians, the poor Palestinian who's living there, an opportunity to work with the Israelis become, and become friends, become family, and it is then it is easier to negotiate peace with friends. You know, we've we've traveled the world, thank God. We've had this opportunity with this with this network, and we've never come across Jewish leadership speak about the leaders of their host country the way we heard today. The way we heard the rabbis and those who are leaders in our community who would never have a reason to mention the leadership of their country, but made a point to tell us how grateful they are, the way they are treated here, and the way their institutions are treated here. 100%. Man, we are very lucky with our leadership. And that is why we, uh, we love our le le leadership and trust them. I mean, years after, I mean, even before the sanctions with Iran, we had a lot of business with Iran. The, when the government started warning us, and then, and then later we saw it's right. They knew what they were doing. They knew yeah. what they were saying. Yeah. So now with Israel, a lot of people are saying that let's wait and see. 
let's wait and see what uh, what happens again i mean I, i don't want to take a lot of your time because we grew up with palestinians right my teachers were palestinians but you're obviously not a wait and see guy if you're a member of the uae israel business council you're already somebody willing to to sit down and start getting some some business going uh i've already signed you're late Right, exactly. <laughs> I've already signed so you, you, uh, MOUs. I've already signed um, MOUs. Oh, there you go. Uh, okay. So you've jumped in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full force. It was. Your uh, companies are generally in what area of business? Uh, we are in 15 different industries. All different. It could, uh, be yeah. oil, it could be oil, real estate. It could be anything. Everything. So what I mean for uh, f- for me, being a businessman, I mean, I mean, I'm a businessman. I've been a businessman for 23 years. Israel was a market I couldn't tap. And you and you saw the tech industry there, what was happening. Not only tech, uh, the agriculture. Oh, 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 are there other industries <laughs> What <laughs> water filtration, right, that's a good ag- agriculture. I mean, right. the agriculture in Israel is number one by far. By far. It's like, uh, uh, it's it's an league of its own, the agricultural industry in, in uh, Israel. And what they have done without much of water, hats off. Hats off. And this is something that, we, uh, that I need to admire and learn. But one thing that we can complete in this piece to Israel, Israel is the startup nation. UAE is the scale-up nation. Mm. We can reach, because of our logistical power, Dubai is one of the few cities in the world, and the United Arab Emirates is one of the few countries in the world that can say we can reach every nook and cranny in the world. The only the only uh, state, that uh, sorry, the only continent that we can't reach easily is Antarctica. And we brought some penguins here in the malls <laughs> as ambassadors to that, to, to, to that continent. And I hear that they're enjoying their stay here. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. So the UAE can scale up the innovation of Israel to the whole world. So in general, any country that would seek your help and advice, you're ready to help them in whatever area is possible. 100%. They just have to want to, to grow and, and want to service their citizens properly. We have 100%. a lot of dictatorships around the world that would not have an interest in helping the people who live in their country. But 100%. those who would want to help, they're there mean, for them. I mean, Palestine is an example. The, the Palestinian, if you ask a Palestinian on the street, what does he want? A safe house and food on the table. That's it. But his, their leadership, they are making money out of this stalemate. Yeah. I think talking Netflix language, I think everybody nowadays have watched The Queen's uh, Gambit. Right. And I would imagine this is a game that they've stopped the clock and they're staring at each other and not moving. This is what the Palestinian Authority is doing with, uh, with, uh, with Israel at the moment. They are not moving forward. They are, they are even, they've stopped the clock. So there is no discussion whatsoever. So regardless of what people feel of the of of uh, Israel left or uh, or the Israeli right, if they want peace or not, Palestinians have not given them the the option for the people to know who wants peace and doesn't. Leave the rhetoric. The r- r- rhetoric it might be for uh, uh, elections, yeah. and you j- and you just came from a country that just finished an election, so you understand an what interesting does, one. What uh, very much, <laughs> and you understand what does election. R- r- Uh, uh, election rhetoric mean so leave that so in Israel the uh, the Palestinians have not given them a chance and I blame the Palestinian leadership I don't blame the poor Palestinian the Palestinian leadership have fed their people a mirage and have put them in such a bad economic situation that for God's sake uh, being a believer in uh, in heaven and in heaven and hell I think uh, the Palestinian Authority have uh, booked uh, first-class ticket to hell. Wow. Uh, 
unbelievable. What an honor to have you here. Thank Thani, you very Thani much. Al Shirawi. Thank you very Humor much. Humor me. Tell me something you miss about America. Tell me something. A product, a, uh, something I'm, in Times Square. I don't know. Is there anything you miss about the okay. U.S.? Uh, are you a Giants fan? No, but I'm a big football fan. I'm a Jets fan, but I'm a big... Are you a football, an American football fan? Dallas Cowboys. Seriously? And we are having a tough year. We got our butts kicked you can this say that morning. Again. We got our butts kicked so bad, it's both cheeks are hurting me. Who, who beat them? Who beat Dallas? Ravens. The Ravens beat Dallas? Yeah, okay. We are not playing with our startup quarterback, but uh, uh, <laughs> to me, American football is God's gift to humanity, and I mean it. And I'm not saying this because I'm sitting with an American right now. It's God's gift to humanity, not soccer. American football is God's gift to humanity, and I'm ready to more discuss than baseball. It. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball is nice. It's, it's fun. Fenway Park. Right. No, no, no. F see, baseball is a is a social game. Right. You can enjoy the game, right. and at the it's more about the eating, the talking, the yeah. observing. The seventh, right. eighth, ninth right. inning, your <laughs> blood pressure goes up. <laughs> American football, <laughs> no. From the coin toss. <laughs> From the coin toss. You hear this? Uh, from, yeah. the coin from the coin toss. I mean, uh, I'm proud that I was there, and uh, I was there during the Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, that Michael Irvin, uh, and Novacek. That was my era. Ken Norton before he goes to San Francisco. You remember that? He I, won I Super Bowls with both Dallas and San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had it back-to-back. -back. Correct. Actually, three years with, in a row. With because two different he had, teams. he had two years right. with the Cowboys. Then one year, th one year where Deion Sanders stole that uh, an <laughs> NFC conference from us. Then he came over to us. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. Uh, an honor to meet you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you for being much. here today. Thank you very and much. And you have an amazing country. Thank you very and much. please tell everybody you deal with how amazing this country is. Thank you very much. And, and, uh, and, and, and again... While I love Dallas Cowboys, but I prefer New York over Dallas City Amen. any day. Amen. Any day. Uh, to, to commemorate the fact that now you'll be able to tell everybody uh, among your family and friends that you were actually part of our historic broadcast, we have a memento, and that is our Nahum Siegel Network Dubai 2020 t-shirt. wear it with pride. I appreciate I'll that wear it very, with pride. very much. And I promise you, because you, because you like that I, the fact that I like American uh, football. football, the next Dallas Cowboys game, I'll... I'll watch. I'll be wearing this. Phenomenal. So hopefully I'll it is my you. good. Uh, hopefully it's my good luck charm. It better be a good luck charm. Uh, as we say here, inshallah. Inshallah is right. <laughs> Thani, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Unbelievable. Thank uh, you. Thani Al Shirawi. Unbelievable. Great conversation, and uh, what a an honor to be um, uh, to be visited and have this audience uh, be addressed by the deputy managing director of Oasis Investments and a founding member of the UAE Israel Business Council. Just unbelievable. Uh, third day of our journey to Dubai as uh, we continue here at JM in the AM. And um, I want to thank all of our sponsors. I want to thank all the people who made it possible for us to be here on this incredible journey. Our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum of Rosenbaum Financial Services, is, uh, is looking on. Neil Petch is with us. Uh, Neil is founder and chair of the Virtue Group, has spent, uh, I believe, over the last 10 years in this region, uh, he has established 16,500 businesses. That's the statistic that's been given to us. We will confirm that with Neil in a moment. An honor to welcome you to our JM and the AM broadcast from Dubai. 
Honour to be here, sir. And finally, one of my team under-exaggerates. 40,000 companies. <laughs> it's 40,000. 26 years in the region. My gosh, unbelievable. What was it like 26 years ago? I now drive ago? like an Emirati, <laughs> which, which I can spend 10 minutes explaining what that means. Oh, is it a you. different culture of driving? It is. A, uh, driving in Dubai is, is quite something, actually, because you've got this whole range of, of people. You have English who've just arrived from England. We join a line wherever there is a line or right. a queue, as we like to call right. us. There are um, perhaps people from the subcontinent who are a little bit timid. Then there are people like me who think I'm Emirati, so I but I've got half of the uh, culture of, of still queuing. So I think that's what Dubai is. It's a smorgasbord of everything, everything and hopefully the best things uh, uh, combined. What was it like 26 years ago? I would assume much different than what I've seen over the last couple of days. Well, the big road you can see now, you used to be able to pull U-turns on it if there wasn't a camel. Not, not uh, anymore. Uh, no. there. I live on the Palm. I would be drowning uh, now because obviously that wasn't right. uh, there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just... An incredible. I mean, it's just a massive thrill, and and uh, you know, to to be. I think when you study economy, there's going to be two chapters on Dubai, and perhaps we're making a third chapter now with what we're doing with Israel, I which would, is just I super would, exciting. I would certainly uh, venture to say that. Um, so now th this, uh, you you get here. Because you were attracted to what 26 years ago? Was it investment possibilities? Was it a, a job offer? There has to be a reason why you decided to. Absolutely. Uh, firstly, I have to say, with apologies to uh, uh, the rulers, I didn't know where Dubai was 26 <laughs> years ago. I'd lived in, in uh, a number of uh, countries in the Middle East and a lot of countries all over the world. My father was in the aviation uh, business. I was offered an opportunity to set up a, a, a company uh, here called uh -huh. ITP. It's and that was the first time you walked into this country? guess what? I, I managed, as part of my journey, to launch a radio Nice. And, and I've still survived. No wonder so. you sound so good on the air. Oh, well, thank you. I have the face for radio, right? So uh, He knows um, all the lingo. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we two of us set up a company. We grew it to 600 people, 70 magazines, back in, back in the days when people just right. read magazines. And uh, that, that was the, the start of the journey. And, and it's just constantly, what, what I learned from Dubai is, is being an entrepreneur. And in, in the short space of time that I have seen how Emiratis and, and Israelis and Jews are working together, I think we're learning again now the ability to get straight down to business. Before and, we get to the Israel piece, mm. is, is, is of the 40, 50,000, whatever the exact yeah. figure is, uh, is the majority of your business interests in one category? Are they very diverse? How would you describe them? Incredibly diverse. So when we started um, 12 years ago, VirtuZone set up 12 years ago, it was, we actually started in joint venture with uh, the ruler of one of the seven emirates, Fajira, actually, um, and we represented exclusively selling Fajira trade licenses. Fajira is, is, happens to be the emirate that is on the Indian Ocean mm. side um, of the UAE. Um, it's an absolutely wonderful uh, uh, place and, and, you know, is, is uh, uh, less uh, um, uh, leading in, the, in those times than, than Dubai. So they gave us that opportunity. Opportunity. We represented, there was a free zone in existence. Free zone for your uh, listeners is, as you know, uh, there's a whole gamut of companies that one can set up. Offshore companies, right. would uh, most of them would be familiar with Delaware and the States and, and with BVI, Cayman Island.
and Mauritius, etc., etc. We have uh, uh, those uh, here. Then the UAE started setting up free zone companies. I think the first one was 1982. Uh, the father of Sheikh Mohammed dredged the creek, built this huge deep water port, an early sign of entrepreneurism. And then they realized that there were so many amazing businessmen here who didn't feel as if they had ownership in the, in the country give them 100% ownership of their country, give them the ability to repatriate 100% of their funds, give them, as I'm sure you've heard from Thani before me, 0% corporation tax, 0% income uh, tax. That's an incentive, we, huh? <laughs> I didn't even know how to spell tax until about a year ago when, when we introduced uh, VAT at 5%. Right, I noticed that. So, a lot less than some of the other countries we travel to. Ex exactly. So, um, you know, so, so they realize set up a zone where you can have 100% ownership, make people feel as if they can really put their roots in here. Now, I think there are about 60 different free zones. They used to specialize in, in particular areas. So you've got DMCC, which is, is for trading and, and, and uh, uh, media city for the media industry. But increasingly, a lot of the free zones are quite generalist. So an entrepreneur can choose from 60 and each has its uh, sweet spot. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's quite a journey. Tell me how August and September went for you. Once Israel and the UAE make this announcement, ceremonies being planned, etc., uh, a company like yours is, is contacted by many or you're reaching out to others. What, what happens at that point to try to bring together some of those Israeli companies with who you know here in the UAE? Well, you're doing the, the Israel-UAE Business Council a disservice because obviously we'd planned this a long time before. <laughs> <laughs> you think that everything just fell into place. No, I mean, look, we follow, um, Google is incredibly important uh, uh, for us and, and we as a company monitor uh, the searches. So when people are, are searching, for example, company formation, Dubai, uh, business setup, Dubai. So we're following that internationally. We've seen for quite some time. That I can has, imagine. Has that must have increased like crazy. Exactly. But there was already right. quite a large part of interest. So, you know, we had reached out to the council and, and as, 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 as you know, uh, uh, they have uh, tremendous resources. And one of the most important things um, when you're stepping into a foreign uh, country is trust, is feeling safe. Um, the UAE has, uh, for you know, just about to celebrate 50 years of, of existence, and for all of that time, it is it has had little resource. It's had to try harder. It's had to establish itself as an easy place to do business and and to work with lots of different cultures and and so on and so on. So this was replicated again uh, uh, here with with open arms. And uh, one of one of your team was asking me, for example, about setting up a bank account. Right. And it's you know, it, it is amazing that there's almost a red carpet rolled out at the moment because we want to remove um, the stereotype that you might expect. And people are so, honestly, you know, I've been here 26 years and in, in my business, I was always selling to people. I was a publisher. I was trying to sell them advertising in the magazines. Now, in back in New York or in London, that meant we had to take you for lunch and persuade you here. No <laughs> chance. It's the other way around. It's my home. I'm going to look after you. So that, that thing to be a host is, is incredibly We've been important. feeling that hospitality here, by the way, yeah, on a different it, level. It puts on the calories. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It? <laughs> and just the friendliness and the generosity, yeah. that whole attitude is something that, you know, New York may be nice, but it's it, it certainly doesn't have the level of... Uh, 
of uh, cooperation. You do have better bagels. <laughs> that's currently, one, that's one thing that we could we could still take pride in. Um, so now on the and Neil Petch is with us on the Israel piece, uh, and I don't mean P E A C E. I mean the whole piece <laughs> that uh, uh, that now has been introduced into the business world. Uh, is it only going to be? tech companies that people here are looking at? Are there other investment opportunities? What, what do you think is going to happen business-wise that this corridor has now been opened officially? Well, firstly, I think there's two categories of, of people. There are those that want to come and set up to actually um, uh, conduct their business in the UAE, and I'll break that down in a second. Um, the, the second uh, category, which I think is amazingly important, is Israelis who are structuring their global business, who previously I believe corporation tax there is 70% or something like it's that. It's high. 70, zero. Do Big the, difference. Do the math. We say maths in England, but do the math. So obviously there's a lot of people who might previously have been using Cyprus, Malta, Gibraltar right. to structure their companies. Well, with the deepest of respect to wonderful, lovely Cyprus, look at the buildings you've got here. Look at, you know, this, this is more is in the way that Israelis roll, in, in my opinion. And Dubai's been planning to make itself attractive uh, uh, for a couple of years. And when it plans to do something, it executes it brilliantly. On steroids. Exactly. <laughs> so you can structure yourself in a sovereign country that has a great reputation for neutrality and you can so you can be incredibly tax efficient you can run your global business look you've got you know arguably the world's uh, best airline you've got as i already mentioned the deep water ports you've got amazing infrastructure you've got a great you, you set people up for location. success you set people up for success yeah exactly the tax structure addresses that and everything you just mentioned addresses and that. the second part of it is israeli companies who are seeking to sell themselves globally We've seen this a lot, China wanting to, to branch out to Africa. If you have a made in the UAE, a made in Dubai stamp, that adds a certain amount of credibility. That Again, that reputation of being a peaceful trading nation and so on and so on. People know it and trust it. They like to come here and, and do business. So we really are a hub. So VirtuZone, my company, we, we are deliberately, we're, we're just about to open VirtuZone CIS in Kazakhstan. Congratulations. Why? Thank you very much. Why? Kazakhstan because Kazakhstan has a number of unique agreements with China. So China coming all the way through the Middle East to Europe to Africa and of course to, to Israel. So so Israelis wanting to do that, that's one category. Then what about the people here? Yes, we can. if we threw a stone from this lovely 21st-story uh, uh, office that you have here, we could hit the fintech hub in, in DIFC. I mentioned DIFC, and I do want to say to you guys, because a lot of the, there have been some questions coming to me. We did a, a, a Zoom call with the Business Council two weeks ago. The difference between a mainland setup and a free zone setup. So the free zone setups do allow you to use common law, English law, which means that if any dispute uh, uh, arises, it can be seen not by the Sharia courts, but by essentially uh, British law. And that's right. very, very important. So people should know they can have 100% ownership and, th and they can be using the UK law to adjudicate should that ever uh, uh, be the place. So fintech 
A hundred percent. I think that the the majority of companies will want to come here, will want to dip their toe in the water, will not want to open up a huge, great office in the first three seconds. Of course, there are going to be some that will do right. that. But the ones that we'll can dip their toe, exactly, uh, you know, minimal manpower, etc., etc., and, and, and we can do that incredibly quickly. So that's going to be, in terms of numbers of companies, where most of it comes from, management consultancy, business consultancy, digital services, etc., etc. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I apologize because we have other guests to get to. No I, problem. Uh, Neil Petch, first of all, thank you for honoring us by visiting us here in this mobile studio. It's as awesome. We, as we told this story to our listeners. And <laughs> secondly, as a token of appreciation and as, as, and as evidence that you were part of this historic broadcast, we are presenting to you a Nahum Siegel Network Dubai wow. 2020 T-shirt, which I'm sure you will wear to your next prominent business meeting. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and just following, Thorny, I used to live in New York. And I'm a Jets fan, a Mets fan. A Jets fan, finally! So, whatever he was saying, (laughs) go Jets. (laughs) Go Jets is right. (laughs) Unfortunately for you and I, there there hasn't been much of a reason to go Jets this year. What to do? At least it shows I'm a real fan. (laughs) That's for sure. That's for sure. When you're rooting for a team with no wins, you are, in fact, a real fan. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Thank you, Neil. Thanks so much for joining us. It's much appreciated. We have more coming up here as JM&AM continues. And I am told that uh, Ross Creel is with us, and of course, um, uh, for us, he has been our very first, from the very beginning of this whole process, from back in August and September, the very first person introduced to us as the leader of the Jewish community here in uh, Dubai, and we had an opportunity to have him welcome us the other day, and now we have an opportunity to speak with him for another few minutes uh, from what is being utilized as his temporary JCE, right? Would that be the the proper way of putting it? This is your temporary synagogue and your uh, temporary location until, please God, uh, the synagogue is ready, which hopefully will be, I hope, in the next few weeks or so. Would that make sense? Would that be? It would make perfect sense. Just move this up. I'm sorry. Just like this. There we go. There we go. Welcome. It would make perfect sense. And hopefully that'll uh, happen soon. We'll be able to. Bezrat Hashem. Uh, Bezrat Hashem is right. Um, and I'm sure they, look, the hospitality in this city in general is amazing. In this building, we were treated today mm. with such generosity and hospitality. It's incredible. And mm. this is where you are housed on Friday and Shabbat uh, for your synagogue needs. So Baruch Hashem. You know, I was reviewing some of the notes that I, um, that I took from our previous conversations. And you used uh, an expression that I think has to be emphasized to this audience. Mm-hmm. And that was that peace is its own dividend. Uh, There's always been this impression that in order to achieve peace with people uh, who've been enemies of ours, especially in Israel's case, uh, there has to be tremendous concessions. Uh, Yet for some reason, when it came to the UAE, uh, there has been this progress and success in the area of peace without any major concessions. Why has peace as a dividend worked so well for the leaders of this country? Nachum, I'm just going to tell you, your listeners, what um, the leaders of the UAE have said in answer to that question. And I think the answer that they've given is that the other strategy was tried. <laughs> and uh, Been there, know, done that. Exactly. Huh? Post-Khartoum, 67, the three no's. It was tried. And it didn't demonstrate um, progress for the region and progress towards peace in the region. And the Emirati leaders are saying the time has come when a strategy has failed to consider alternative strategies that might work. And I think it's just as simple as that. 
And in fact, you're right to say that this is the first deal. I mean, of course, the other peace treaties were with Egypt and Jordan, where right. this is a peace for peace deal. There is no land swap or any kind of land uh, issue. Um, of course, the UAE and Israel were never at war anyway. Um, and I think it, it's uh, it's a very powerful um, it's a very powerful concept that peace is its own dividend. And um, you've been in the city now for one or two days, and you've seen the number of Israeli business people that are here. And the Hebrew uh, that's being spoken, exactly. the kippot that are being worn. Know, you know, know that you can't wear a kippah in many countries of Europe know, in know. 2020. And in the UAE, not only are you wearing it, and am I wearing it, mm -hmm. but you feel comfortable wearing it. Sure you do. No, it's extraordinary. And, and um, But but to, to return to your question, the peace will be a huge dividend for the region, reciprocally um, for um, the UAE, for Israel, and hopefully for the broader region. One of the things I noticed, as you know, we've been speaking to people involved in the community for the last day or two. I don't, and we've had the ability to, thank God, travel the world and be in, in different cities around the world with uh, special broadcasts. I don't remember Jewish leaders going out of their way to praise the government, the host government where they live. I don't even remember it ever happening, certainly not to the degree that we're hearing on this trip. And to me, that's amazing. It's amazing that Jewish people in the United Arab Emirates feel not only comfortable enough, but I, I think obligated mm. to always cite the incredible leadership that the uh, leaders of this country give not only everybody, but specifically the Jewish community. Well, it's an obligation spiritually to show gratitude. Um, but it's not. An I don't know if you would do it in South Africa, though. Well, what I want to say is that I've lived in many different countries, and um, I've experienced many different governments. And I do have to tell you honestly that this is the first time in my life where I've been in a country where I deeply admire the the leadership in the government. I just do. And um, the reason we mention that and say that is because we feel it. Um, it's something that we. Um, it's based on our experience here. Interestingly, I've been to Morocco where, like we do here, they make a prayer for, for right. the king, right. uh, Mohammed VI. And I think they also feel a sense of deep gratitude towards the leadership there. But over here, it's something we deeply feel. And you only have to be here for a couple of days to understand why we feel that way. First of all, you see what an extraordinary achievement the city is. 25 years ago, there was you know not, none of this... Um, extraordinary metropolis existed, uh, a dust track, you know, between Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and look at it now. Including where we're sitting so, right now, I'm exactly. told. <laughs> so it's just an extraordinary, miraculous achievement. But more importantly for us as Jewish leaders, we've experienced the embrace, we've experienced the Islamic tolerance, we've experienced the um, courage and the um, vision that the leaders have shown towards us and our community, and we respect them for it and want to express our gratitude. And we do that not um, formally. Um, Jews all around the world make a prayer for the government. We do it, and it's in the liturgy. But uh, You do it with a lot of sincerity, though. <laughs> I, I have to say that there have been times when the prayer is made and you know, people in the community smile a bit, etc. Here, everybody stands. Um, the amen that is said afterwards is deeply felt. And as the community grows and flourishes over the years ahead, any Jew coming here will immediately understand 
why that prayer is said with such sincerity and meaning. Ross Creel is here. We, we only suggest that Jews move to one place. That's been our policy for the last many decades. Sure. But with that in mind, um, because of the circumstance we're in right now, I don't mean COVID, I mean because we're visiting here, do you think there'll be an increase in the Jewish community, people actually well, moving here from other parts of the world? Well, what I, what I want to say is this. I speak as a diaspora Jew. Um, you are as well, obviously. We, we um, love Israel as our national homeland. But I do want to say that the beauty of what's happening now is that there's an opportunity for Israel to look outward again, uh, especially in the region. Right. And look at the countries around the region um, that are friendly towards Israel and see the benefit of ties with Israel, not just economically, but also socially and culturally. And there's a, there's a sense of um, wanting to build bridges. And my view as a dashboard Jewish leader is that the our community has relevance in that regard, just as yours does. That the Jews living outside of Israel are ambassadors, ambassadors of the Jewish people, creating Jewish embassies all around the world. And that we have uh, a mission, uh, a sacred uh, mission, so to speak, that is relevant to the whole world. Um, and not just to specifically the Jewish community in the world. Right. And I, the reason I'm here is because I believe in that mission. And I'm hoping that as we move forward into this new phase with Israel looking outward with a sense of confidence and optimism, that the diaspora communities around the world um, uh, will have a relevance, um, um, not only to the Jews that are living there, but also to Israel itself, that will be considered beneficial and good. And what we want to achieve is a deep convergence between Israel and the diaspora communities around the world, a sense of each other's relevance and importance in um, building Jewish life, um, in advancing Jewish causes, and ultimately creating the unity of the Jewish people, which is what we all want. Any special plans for Hanukkah for the city of Dubai? True. We have lovely Hanukkah events. Um, you know, there's a beautiful moment now in Hanukkah where our Hanukkah are coming out. Previously, in previous years, we lit them inside, which halakhically you can do. But now the miracle is being publicized. And this will be uh, the first time that it's like that? Uh, yes, I, think, it, I wow. think it's fair to say, if I think about the social history of our community, I think it's fair to say that this will be the first time that there will be truly public lightings of our, uh, of our Hanukkah. Do you think um, government officials will attend some of them, or they wouldn't go to that degree? Um, we're getting, it's all, you know, we have to, we have to take it a step it's a step-by-step -step, um, process, right. um, um, but we the the time will come certainly in the city, uh, if not this year, but in years to come, when we will have dignitaries attend the lighting of the Hanukkah menorah, and all of us will celebrate the miracle together, um, um, and um, it's uh, you know the miracle you know we we say that the miracle occurred there. When we when we spin our dreidels, yep. and the truth is, the miracle occurs here. Uh, we have a deep sense of that, and we're feeling it. I can tell you that much. The history of all this is being felt. And finally, and we discussed this the other day when you joined us for our first broadcast. And I'm so glad that you took this position. It is vital that we continue to remind, and I would use a stronger word, frankly, Jews in the diaspora, that there are real, legitimate partners for peace in the Muslim world and you said you would spend a lot of time over the next few years drumming that into as many people's mm -hmm. minds as possible and I, I join you in that quest because I think it's one of the most important messages of this entire journey. Well I really appreciate your coming out here 
and um, taking that message back to your listenership. Um, I think that it's important now to have a complete reset in terms of the way that we view the Arabic world. I put that in inverted commas, by the way, and the Islamic world as well. Right. The tolerance that you're exploring here is is, is um, it's an Islamic tolerance. Um, it's based on the Quran, and it's based on a deep understanding of what the Quran is, going back to the constitution of Medina, which um, imagined um, a citizenship that extended beyond Muslims and giving a modern um, uh, spin on that, using that as a modern way to regulate a beautiful plural society, as you see here in Dubai and the UAE. And it's so important for Jews all around the world to come and experience that and see it for themselves. Ross, thank you. You made our day on September the 15th when you joined us with a eyewitness report and with all the excitement of being in Washington. And I'm so glad that we were able to meet here in the UAE. So lovely to have you. Appreciate that very much. Ross Krill, everybody, if you come to Dubai, if you come to the UAE and you're looking for a leader of the Jewish community, look up Ross Krill and make sure to mention to him that you heard him on the air with us at JM in the AM. More coming up. It is our, the end of hour number one of our broadcast for, a, uh, for the third JM in the AM broadcast of this trip as we continue at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Thursday broadcast. That's Avram Freed. We'll try to do a little bit more of that later on. And I want to, uh, again, acknowledge R.E.A. Kunstler and the incredible, and I mean incredible, theme song, Salam, that he covered for our journey to Dubai. We have a lot of people to thank. A lot of people to thank on this Thursday morning broadcast. A lot of people to thank. Start with our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum Financial Services, TaxCPA2.com, TaxCPA2.com. He has been an eyewitness to every radio encounter we've had this week here in the UAE. Um, Those of you who want important tips regarding your financial planning, TaxCPA2.com. Um... I want to thank Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange. I don't know what that means. Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange. Ah. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, you want to turn on Miriam L. Wallach's microphone, please? Did I do the idea? The top no, of that's what I'm trying to tell you. It's America's <laughs> one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and Nachum Siegel, the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. And documented by uh, photographer, videographer, and uh, brilliant travel uh, documentarian, Mr. Mayir Kruder, who you can reach at kruder.com, K-R-U-T-E-R.com. He's also a brilliant artist. I actually have one of his works hanging in my home. And um, uh, his art does sell for pretty exorbitant prices. So make sure you're in a certain category uh, before you uh, explore Mayor Mayor Cruder's uh, artwork. But if you're an art lover, go to the website and see what I'm talking about. So Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange, uh, they are uh, an amazing shopping experience. And everything that you need tonight for Hanukkah they have, whether it's food or baked goods, delicious sufganiyot, really good decorative uh, plates and cutlery for Hanukkah. Uh, special Hanukkah tablecloths and uh, and the little tchotchkes that will enhance your Hanukkah celebration. It's all there at Aaron's. Go to Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens, casinofarms.com. Go to Aaron's West Orange, aaronswestorange.com. Koshertravelers.com. They've got cruises. They've got Pesach programs. They've got Israel. They've got safaris. They've got exotic locations. And they have the UAE. You know, koshertravelers.com is offering a program mm. where you can actually go to the UAE. You're on you can go to the UAE for yeshiva break, right? And you could meet friends and family from Israel there in January in the UAE. We would never recommend someone leave Israel, but now some people may need a couple of days out of Israel because of COVID nineteen just to see family and friends. You could do that uh, with the uh, koshertravelers.com outfit and David Wallace and his staff. Uh, in fact, the other day he um, he 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 asked me to remind everybody that when it comes to koshertravelers.com. They can prepare and they can make sure that everybody has what they need. They call themselves a one-stop solution. You come to Dubai, they'll tell you where to stay, where to eat, and where to pray. And they'll take good care of you. So koshertravelers.com, check them out online. Uh, also want to thank Ariella Steinreich and Steinreich Communications. Cross River Bank, Jules Gade, Phil Goldfeder and Company. want to thank uh, Morty Getz and everybody at shopiclers.com. Mm-hmm. And, of course, our friends at the Rothenberg Law Firm. And I remind everybody that uh, this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net and try 
A&H today. And you want it to say, Miriam L. Wallach? Well, first of all, hi. Hello, good morning. How are you? All right, we've had an action-packed morning so far. That is an understatement. Yeah, a lot of great guests. Right, and I apologize to you, by the way, that in the first hour, um, I didn't give you one break. Oh, don't worry, it'll be in the post-mortem of this trip. Yeah, I'm sure it will. And it'll, it'll be, be a major 14 and a half hours as I'm losing As I'm losing my voice because of that uh, practice yes. of not giving me a break, then you'll be hearing from me. Feel free to have some more water. Hey, that would help. Right. Um, I never And by the way, I also apologize to our listeners because, you know, they didn't get to hear any music in the first hour. Yeah, no Though, problem. though. Those our theme song made it, though. No, I was going to say those three interviews were just, as the kids would say, they were fire. Yeah, they were fire. And I must have, I must have um, a Thani be a guest on After Further Review with Yoni Pollock. Oh. I need Yoni to ask him, okay, Thani, you're 7,000 miles away. What were the circumstances that you were watching the game? What did you think of the Dallas offensive line? What did you think of Dallas's opponents? Did you, in fact, wear the NSN T-shirt, as you said you would, during this Dallas win or loss? Who's Dallas playing next? Do we know? Do we even have an idea? Um, but, but and, and I didn't ask him about your football team, but he had enough to say about, uh, about the, Giant, about the uh, Cowboys, rather. Um, which was unbelievable to hear his, his sports acumen. Um, and by his sports acumen, it also really funny. The his whole thing idioms, was funny. his yeah, he knew it all. Oh my gosh, his conversational yeah. English was so great. Very interesting. By the way, where do you where do you happen to think that he was in school in Boston for three years? Well, did he tell you or not? He didn't, but I'm gonna assume it wasn't BU. Was it Tufts? Yeah, yeah that's my other you know, my other guess. Was it MIT? It's possible. Which is the best business school in the Boston area? By the area. way, just as a side point, when Isn't he said he was 45 school? and he was young, yeah. I was like, yeah, let's go, young 45. And I don't feel young. Yeah, don't, don't forget, in the UAE, 45 is young. In America, I know, I'm ancient. I know. I'm <laughs> so, over the hill. I mean, come on. I'm over the hill. You already have a marriage. I already had my, my midlife crisis. Married daughter, the whole I thing. Know, I mean, come crazy. on. It's no, crazy. no one's accusing you of being young. Come on. Don't you know, worry. You know that. I don't feel it. Um... Uh, should we bring him back for the live lunch? We should bring him back for the live lunch, do a little sports conversation. Can anyway. I want to take him out for lunch. Anyway, the bottom line I is. I want to cook for him. The bottom line is, is we're in the UAE, and it's funny. With all the things we've heard, and we've heard a lot yeah. about this place, and I'm talking about what we heard 10 years ago in terms of tourism and the largest building mm -hmm. and all the things, and the movies being filmed here. Right. And then, of course, the whole Israel piece comes into the into the scene, and we are hearing more and more about business investments. You have friends and relatives in Israel who have been telling you about the UAE and, and all the business investments Absolutely. here. Absolutely. And then we come here, and we see it and hear it live in person. It's, it's, it's completely different. It's completely different. You see Jewish life here. You, you did what we did yesterday in terms of where we were, and you come here today, um, and you just have a completely different experience than just – you know, what we've heard about in the United States. And years from now, maybe just months from now, when we are vacationing with our friends, with our families, with, you know, people that, that we want to vacation with, frankly, uh, and we're choosing the UAE as a spot, mm -hmm. we're going to be able to turn to those people that we're with and say to them, I remember when there was no kosher pizza shop here and i remember when there was no bagel store and i remember when the shul was in the was in the renaissance hotel in dubai and did not even have its own home and i remember when the staff at the jewish community center was you know a skeletal staff and now it's a you know a hub of activity for hundreds and thousands of visitors it's really something we are in on the ground floor it's one of the reasons you and i are happy to be here now mm. we're in on the ground floor of a historic 
Jewish community that's going to be growing and building and participating in uh, in uh, it really in what's an incredible country. What we have seen has been just an incredible country. I mean, Nahum, what would your father have said? I don't know. I don't know what he would have said about this whole thing, frankly, because uh, you know he was a leader during an era when it was impossible to believe that there could be this type of peaceful relationship. By the way, one other thing I must say, and I, I maybe I should have said this yesterday when Jason Greenblatt was on. Um, so many people made sure to minimize the greatness of this peace deal because it was anchored by President Trump. Right. So many people wanted to make sure to say this is no big deal because, God forbid, you give him the credit that needs to mm-hmm. be given in a situation like this. Now, you just mentioned my father and, and other people from that generation. As I've grown over the last few days to learn just how significant a deal this is, let's give proper consideration to President Trump. Let's give him the credit he deserves because, boy, oh, boy, that credit, which I always felt he, he did deserve, right. is so much more than I originally felt. Well, Nahum, what are history books going to say? It is is President Trump going to be a man who is remembered better by history than he was appreciated during his his four years? Are we going to look back and be able to give him credit in twenty years? The Israel loving community will right. Yeah, the four of I us. I don't know. Well, no, there are a lot of Israel I, lovers. You know what I mean. But I don't know what others will say. I, that's the, I have no idea. They say these days because of the way media and PR works that every president ends up with a positive legacy. Who knows what's going to happen with him? But. Just, just th- now we've seen up close and personal just how significant this deal is and what kind of changes are taking place in the Middle East because of it. What kind of pressure it's putting on Iran, what kind of pressure it's putting on other countries to make peace, and we get to see it firsthand. Listen, in so many ways, President Trump was the right man at the right time. Oh, yeah. Not for, not for everybody and not right. for everything. Right. Okay, let's say And that. we don't even know if we were so excited right. about the prospect of having him be president for a second term. Correct. But there's no but, question. But, but, but. There are so many ways we could fill that sentence in, right? Oh, no question. So many ways we can say that X, Y, and Z would not have happened had it not been for him and the people he brought into the White House. And this is one of them. That's right. Absolutely. More more coming up. We're here on a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM. Jelly, fry it up, get in my belly. Use the 
Words we say on Hanukkah. Before that, the brand new Maccabees uh, Candlelight 2020, as they call it. What a pleasure to welcome into our mobile studio in Dubai the founding rabbi of the Hampton Synagogue. The last time we had a face-to-face conversation on the air, we were at the Beach Bakery Cafe which is located in the Hamptons. Just raise that a drop, Rabbi. Thank you. There you go. And um, here we are, almost 7,000 miles away from there. Do you remember the Beach Bakery Cafe? Do you recall uh, the establishment in the Hamptons? Yeah, we're, we're opening up a branch. Are you? You're, you're in Dubai. Really? Yeah, that, that? That's why I'm here. <laughs> because, of course, of all the franchises and institutions. You can't get a good jelly donut there in you Dubai, go. I'm telling you. So you're going to solve that problem. Of course. Like you've solved many others. For years, we've had an opportunity to have you on the air. We love our encounters with you uh, on the radio. And you, we have been speaking about, and to us, it's been so abstract. You have visited Dubai so often. You've been to Bahrain so many times. For us, this was such an abstract concept that there's a place like this, like the way you've described it. And then we come here for only two days, and we feel what you've been telling us all this time. It's pretty remarkable. What's it like being back again now in Dubai? It's a very special feeling. I mean, you know, you, you want to talk about transformation, just flying Emirates last night and witnessing a minion on the plane. That you had not seen before. <laughs> not on an Emirates flight. I mean, I could not believe what I was witnessing here. And that's just an example of the transformation that's taking place here in the UAE. Um, but there's a much larger picture. You know, I've very much paved the way in terms of Gulf-Israel relations for 12 years. And I'm very excited about the normalization of ties between UAE, 
and Israel, Bahrain and Israel, but there's still four more states right. to go. Uh, and you want to the see the grand all of them. prize, you know, is Saudi Arabia. Right. Uh, I would even say as big a prize as Qatar. Right. Um, and then there's Oman, and then there's Kuwait, and we need to translate this achievement into a domino effect across the region. It can't just remain, you know, UAE and Bahrain. And you have full confidence that's going to happen, that domino effect. Yeah, I think it's going to happen for a number of reasons. I must tell you that um, I salute Jared Kushner. Right. I see by your reaction you're very surprised I'm about to say this. <laughs> um, for his last attempt here in the region to reunify the Gulf. You know, there is a raging conflict that is now taking place between Qatar and a boycott or a blockade by the Saudis, the Emiratis, and the Bahrainians against Qatar. Qatar is supported by Oman and Kuwait. And before we're going to see the normalization of ties between the Saudis and Israel or Qatar and Israel, there must be a reunification of the GCC, of the Gulf states. And in that regard, I think that Jared Kushner is spot on in terms of trying to bring about this reunification, which would be of great benefit to Israel, you know, to the United States as well. Once you have the reunification, then I believe you will see the domino effect. As I mentioned to you um, just last week, that I think Joe Biden is the ideal commander-in-chief to build on Donald Trump's achievements and success because he's very much in concert with what the Saudis and the Qataris and the Kuwaitis have been saying, the need to address, I didn't say resolve, to address you know, the plight of the Palestinians in some way, so I think that all the forces are coming together. Do you worry that he may not be surrounded by people who have the same interest to do that, meaning the, new, the next president? No, I think they all have the same interest. Interesting. Um, they're very committed to right. a two-state solution. Right. Um, and people on the outside are trying to analyze and reanalyze and trying to figure out what's going on here. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I often say that the art of listening is such a priority because, you know, God, the divine architect, he created us with two ears and only one mouth, all right? So we need to focus on listening. <laughs> and if you listen to the pronouncements coming out of Saudi Arabia, out of Qatar, I was just with Prince Faisal, the foreign minister of Saudi Arabia, right before COVID-19. I've heard this from the Emir of Qatar. They are willing to normalize ties with Israel, but they want to see some movement when it comes to the Palestinians. Right. Now, the the current president did not have that same priority. Uh, a President Biden will be more in concert with the next round of Gulf states. Um, again, I'm not suggesting what kind of resolution. Right. It could be economic. Understood. Advancement, economic opportunity. But I think step one, reunification, 
step two, trying to bring the Gulf to um, address the plight of the Palestinian people. And this will result in a domino effect of all six Gulf states coming on board. And as you know, I've been, been pretty g good about predictions when it comes to the Gulf. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've made some pretty bold uh, predictions and pronouncements on your show. And some of them years ago. Years ago. And guess what? I was spot on. Yeah. Um, so I think I know what I'm talking about here. And uh, I, again, reunification of the Gulf and uh, addressing the uh, plight of the Palestinians. Everybody Schneier is here, founder of uh, the Hampton Synagogue and uh, somebody who's been so involved in the Gulf for so many years and now uh, shepping Nachas from what he's seeing in this region for good reason. Philosophically for a moment, um, the average rabbi of the past few decades in the United States, I believe, would have been very skeptical that there are members of the Muslim worldwide community that wanted to have a real warm, sincere peace with Israel. What is it about your background or about what you learned or about what you saw that gave you a different philosophy on this matter? I think um, I give my father tremendous credit for growing up in such an ecumenical home. And my father represents a generation like your father, a blessed memory. Rabbi Zev Siegel was the president of the RCA. Right. And that generation, I think, was not as limited in scope as this generation. Um, it's ironic that Orthodox rabbis who want to engage in interreligious activities, you have many more opportunities halachically with the Muslim community yeah, right. than you have with, with the Christian the community. When I was the president <laughs> of the New York Board of Rabbis and Cardinal uh, O'Connor passed away, mm -hmm. he had left instructions for me to deliver a homily at St. Patrick's. Right. And I don't care how progressive I am, I still answer to a higher authority, and I would not do it. Right. I would not cross that line as an Orthodox rabbi. If you're familiar with the different you know, response of, of the Rambam, if you're on the street, it's time to daven mincha, and there's a mosque in front of you, go into the mosque. There's no religion that is as pure from a monotheistic point of view um, like Judaism than Islam. And there are no two faith communities that have more in common than Judaism and Islam. Uh, they pray five times a day. We do three times a day, even though, you know, we, we can cut it. We, know, fa we fast less than they fast. Exactly, right? <laughs> they face Mecca. We right. face Jerusalem. They have halal. We have, you know, kosher. Right. And um, if, if anything, Muslim-Jewish relations within the Orthodox community, within the halachic community, has far greater opportunities than Jewish-Christian relations. It's a wonderful, wonderful platform for Orthodox rabbis to engage 
in other faith communities from a halachic point of view. Yeah, what a perspective. Uh, Rabbi Schneier is here. Tell us about progress of uh, your work being translated so that uh, those who live in this area of the world can benefit from what you've written. Well, thank you for asking the sure. question. It's always good to have a little commercial. <laughs> um, no, it's very exciting. You know, I wrote, uh, co-authored the book, Sons of Abraham, right. with Imam Shamsi Ali, who's known as the chief imam of New York. First book ever, co-authored by a rabbi and an imam. It's called The Sons of Abraham. You consider him a friend. That's an understatement, right? I consider him a brother. Not, brother. E- not even cousin. Brother. What? No. Not uh, even cousin. Yeah. No, no. As he's, we uh, traditionally would say. Exactly. No, he's, uh, we're, we're very, and understand that our relationship did not begin on the right foot. Right. I can understand uh, that. No, you know, it was a little controversy, but. Today, you know, today we're, uh, you know, intimately uh, on the same page, literally page. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and Random House is my publisher, and uh, the book has become the definitive text in Muslim-Jewish relations. And the Emiratis would like to first; they're distributing the book this week in English into every bookstore in the UAE. Unbelievable! That's one. Then there's a big reception in my honor on Sunday evening when they're announcing that they will be translating the book into Arabic. And most importantly, they are developing curriculum guides for students, not only to engage in the study of Muslim-Jewish relations, but to use this book as a foundation for exploring interreligious activities and coexistence and intercultural work that will be distributed throughout the Gulf. In fact, in fact, I haven't even shared it uh, with anyone. I just heard an hour ago that Bahrain just accepted to have that book distributed there. Happened only an hour ago. You have to get permission from each Gulf state and uh, they're now launching a whole tolerance educational initiative where this book uh, will be very much um, celebrated you know, in the kingdom of Bahrain. In fact, when I'm in Bahrain next week, I will be meeting with the Minister of Education uh, to explore other ways of trying to get this uh, message across. So... You know, when it comes to Muslims and Jews, you know, we have a common faith, and we have a common fate. And now you have a common curriculum. And we have a common <laughs> curriculum. So, um, no, it's it's a very, very exciting development for me personally. You know, we've had a uh, many opportunities. It's, it's, it's great that you've been a, a guest multiple times, and I'm thinking that maybe one day, it might happen at the Hampton Synagogue or wherever you recommend, Maybe you and the imam together would join me on the air to explore the work that you pursued and brought to its fruition. We, we could arrange for that to happen tomorrow. <laughs> really? I mean, you should know the imam and I have traveled the world. Uh, You've been in this region together? Of course. Of course. Wow. In terms of addressing uh, Muslim-Jewish relations, I remember on the 75th anniversary of Kristallnacht, uh, when the uh, Jewish community of Austria invite me to be the keynote speaker in the Austrian parliament, um, I said, I'd like to bring the imam with me. 
And to hear a such a prominent Muslim leader uh, raising his voice and screaming protests to where were the religious leaders during Kristallnacht, including wow. Muslim leaders. Wow. Uh, they thought, you know, either I had brought someone from Mars or, you know, they didn't know. Uh, so Imam Shamsi Ali, I'm speaking for him now and right. telling you, he, we, we would be thrilled to have this opportunity to be on your show. Today. It would be an amazing conversation. Um, the message is simple. Don't let those who have hijacked the Muslim religion don't let them be the ones who are dictating the way those who observe Islam want to behave to others in this world. Because that's really what's been dominating over the last few decades, the minds of many Jews, especially in the United States, that those who, who want to kill, those who, whether it's 9-11 or terrorist attacks in Israel, right. etc., it's those who do it in the name of Islam who represent the religion. And one thing we've learned here, that's just not the case. There are 1.6 billion Muslims and 16 million Jews. And... My mission for the last 18 years was to find the path to narrow the divide, the chasm uh, between Muslims and Jews. In fact, uh, listen, we, we also have some uh, real misunderstandings on the Muslim side mm -hmm. when it comes to Jewish community. I mean, one of my favorite, yeah. favorite experiences, I went, when I was in Indonesia, right after the publication of the book, what they think about us. <laughs> and the, the president of Indonesia, remember, it's the largest Muslim country in the world. Right. And they translated my book into Indonesian. I get to Jakarta, and the person says, Rabbi, would you mind going to Joe Jakarta? Joe Jakarta would be like our Boston or Cambridge. You know, it's the big college town to address a large gathering of students. So I went there. And after my address, you know, the first question was, you know, Rabbi, 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 tell us. How many Jews are there? I said, approximately 16 million. He says, no, no, not in New York. <laughs> the whole world. All right? Not in New York. And, and that's what this book addresses in terms of the misunderstandings, the misconceptions, the misperceptions um, on the part of Jews to Muslims and Muslims to Jews. Well understood. By the way, we want to welcome your son who is here, uh, joining us here today. A graduate of Frisch. A graduate of Frisch, a, a, a proud Garden State educated young man. Exactly. And, uh, and one of the opportunities you have is to bring family members here, which must add to the fun of this whole adventure. My, my son, Brendan. Brendan, thank you for being yeah. here today. And I want to present to you, and who knows, maybe there'll be an extra one for Brendan as well. We want to present to you the official Nahum Single Network Dubai 2020 Mission t-shirt. So Rabbi, Sh Rabbi Schneier, when you proclaim and when you claim to others back in the Hamptons that you were on this mission with us, you have the evidence to prove it. <laughs> All I can say is I will bring him back, inshallah. <laughs> Inshallah is right. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Rabbi Mark Schneier, great guest always, and amazing that we were able to do this in the United Arab Emirates. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Arab, Zevin Rabbi Yosef Alevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Bas, Rabbi Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Yakut Shmoni tells of an extremely poor individual. He prayed and cried to Hashem from the depths of his heart. He just wanted to make Parnasa livelihood, and not rely on human beings. One day, Elio Novi appeared to him in the guise of a non-Jew. He offered him two valuable coins. He advised him 
to use these coins to engage in business, and he would be very successful. The man was reluctant to take a gift from a mortal person. However, Leo Novi told him to take it as a loan, and he would repay it in the future. The man did take the coins. He sold them for a huge amount of cash, and indeed, he became exceedingly wealthy. The wealthier he became, though, the less he prayed. He became so involved in his business affairs that he didn't have time to daven. Moreover, he no longer had that pressing need to pray as he had become very successful. Hashem summoned Eliyahu Novi and said, I had a faithful servant in my world. He continually poured out his heart before me. From the time that you gave him those coins, he just stopped praying. Master of the world, said Eliyahu Novi, I will go back to him. I will get the coins back. He did so. And from that moment on, the man lost his good fortune and soon lost all his money. Deeply pained, the man began praying to Hashem with a broken heart. When Eliyahu Novi reappeared to the man, he asked him how he was doing. He told him that he had lost all his wealth. Do you know why, asked Eliyahu Novi? Because from the moment you began to prosper, your tefillos ended. Hashem desires your tefillah. I can give you back the gold coins on the condition that your prayers will never disappear. The man realized his mistake. He promised never again to stop his heartfelt, fervent prayers. Once again, the man got the two golden coins. He was extremely successful. But this time, he made his commitment to tefillah and to heartfelt, sincere prayers for the rest of his life. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
Yoni Z here at JM in the AM. We're in Dubai, day three for us of this amazing adventure. And don't forget, we're back in studio tomorrow in New York City. Malcolm Holmline will join us for the weekly update and plenty more. And don't forget tonight, it's the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. Starts at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and that will be uh, sponsored by the wonderful people at Kedem. Arab Shabbos show for a Shabbos Hanukkah coming up starting tonight. And then replayed 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. Fridays here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Moshe Friedman is with us. He is founder of a company, and if I have this right, it's called Kamatech Haredim Batech. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And that, I assume, in Hebrew, or I should say in English, would translate uh, to an organization that specifically is aimed at those in the Haredi community who are in the high tech industry. Um, first of all, it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much for hosting me. Uh, second, yes, we are an organization with the purpose to bring the Haredim into the high-tech industry in Israel. You know, in Israel, Israel is the startup nation. Right. Uh, a lot of uh, the business in Israel are high-tech business, and the participation of Haredim in the high-tech business is very low. Less than 1% of the high-tech uh, workers in Israel are Haredim. And our mission is to bring more and more Haredi men and women into the high-tech ecosystem. As investors, as employees, or both? So we have uh, two arms. One arm is to help Haredi that want to start high-tech uh, companies to become entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. Wow. So we have an accelerator for Haredi entrepreneurs and also a VC fund to invest in Haredi startups. I must say that I'm very proud that just yesterday, one of our startups, Haredi startups, originally from Bnei Brak, just established five years ago, uh, got uh, nominated by Globes, which is the most important Israeli newspaper, number two best startup in the country. Uh, so, What type of company are they? What do they do? It's a platform for building websites. Huh. If you know Wix, they are sure. a competitor of Wix, and they are growing very, very fast, Baruch Hashem. So this is one arm, uh, helping Haredim become entrepreneurs, building companies. The second arm is that we are training Haredi men and women that want to become programmers, uh, engineers, and want to work in the big high-tech uh, companies. We train almost 2,000 Haredi men and women every year, and we place them in companies like Google, Microsoft, Cisco, Apple, Etc. Etc. Who are your partners in the training industry? I mean, do, do they go to a specific school or program? Yeah. So, first of all, uh, thanks God, Baruch Hashem, I have a lot of partners from the high tech industry, uh, a lot of high tech giants, people uh, very famous like Yossi Vardi, Amnon Shashua, Chemi mm -hmm. Peres, all the high tech mm -hmm. giants of Israel supporting uh, this uh, initiative. Uh, in fact, when I started. I had my own startup company, and I came to Yossi Vardi, who is a very famous investor. He told me, leave aside your startup. The real startup is to bring Haredim into the high-tech. That's Star how highly they're thought of. Yes. And uh, they believe that the Haredim have the talent and the creativity to become very successful in the high-tech industry. And I must say that they're right, because when we started, no one believed that Haredim can, you know, it was like a dream. But uh, just in five years, we, we build uh, more than 50 Haredi companies that employing more than 1,000 uh, 1, people. They raised almost $200 million from investors. And we are training every year 2,000 employees. Our training system is together with the big IT companies. Uh, our first 
partner was uh, Cisco. Wow. And John Chambers, the chairman of Cisco International, he came to Israel. He's a, he, wa- he was a good friend of uh, President Peres, late President Peres, and he told him uh, the most important uh, social mission is in Israel is to, c- to bring the Arab Israelis and the Haredim into the ITEC. He told him that um, today, in the first grade in Israel, 50% are Haredim or Arabs. 50%. So if they will not integrate into the high-tech industry, uh, the state of Israel will be in a big problem. So John Chambers said, let's go. And we started with Cisco, and together we have a coalition of 20 big, large companies working with us. Unbelievable. Moshe Friedman is here. Why are you in Dubai this week? Okay, this is a great question. Um, uh, one of our partners is Bank Apalim, which is the largest bank in Israel. Sure. They're supporting us, they're helping us. They hire Haredi... Uh they hire Haredim, they invest in Haredim, they support us in uh, various ways. And they, they did uh, the first uh, business delegation of all the leaders of the Israeli ITEC this week, together, together with the Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs and Ministry of Economy and the Israeli Export Institute. All these uh, organizations came together with Bank Apalim. They brought a delegation of 200 leaders of the Israeli ITEC to meet with... Uh, the leaders of uh, the Dubai business uh, world, you know, investors, uh, entrepreneurs, and uh, they want me, they say, we want at least one Haredi <laughs> representative <laughs> to represent the Haredi uh, iTech. So they invited me to join. I feel it's a great uh, pri- privilege and a great honor. And I try, you know, to do my best to represent the Haredim. Do you get the feeling that this uh, relationship that the UAE and Israel now have will only benefit the Haredi community in addition to so many other communities in Israel? Sure. First, I, I'm sure it will benefit the entire uh, Israeli society and, you know, Israeli economy. I was in uh, several meetings with really high-level investors and the entrepreneurs here, and all of them very excited to meet the Israeli ITEC. They have a lot of uh, respect to the Israeli ITEC. They know that Israel is like uh, one of the most, the leading countries in the world in terms of ITEC. You know, they spoke about cybersecurity, right. artificial intelligence, etc., etc. So they are very excited about it. But I was surprised to, to realize that they are specifically interested in the religious community. When I came to meetings, for example, we, we had a meeting with uh, Muhammad El-Abar, who is the founder of, uh, he built the Burj Khalifa. Right. He's one of the billionaires here. Uh, and he told me, I specifically prefer to do business with religious people. He told me, we, you, you are doing, when you're doing wedding, you have women in one side and men in one side. This is the way we do. So I prefer people like me to do business. That's what he told me. And I have it also on camera. And uh, I met the head of the Dubai uh, Investment uh, Bank. And he also said um, he believes that religion uh, is a very important fundamental part for doing good business. And he preferred to do business with religion people. So I was really surprised to find out that they're interested to do business with religion people. I even uh, met one of uh, the leading entrepreneurs here. He told me that he's writing a novel about a religious entrepreneur from Brooklyn. <laughs> I asked him, how come? And he said, I know a few of them. I, very, I, I find them very interesting, very similar to us. That's what he said. 
And is, is, the novel is about an ultra-orthodox entrepreneur from Brooklyn. So I was really surprised to, to realize that. And I think uh, there are a lot of opportunities here. And I hope, uh, Bezrat Hashem, those opportunities will become uh, fruitful uh, for the state of Israel, for you know, the Jewish uh, uh, people around the world. Where do you live in Israel? Bnei Brak. You're in Bnei Brak. I live in Bnei Brak. I have a, a very nice place. In Bnei Brak for entrepreneurship, like we work in Bnei Brak Very nice. for entrepreneurs. At the beginning, we wanted to call it "We Don't Work," <laughs> 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 but uh, Baruch Hashem, it became a great success. And uh, I have already two delegations from UAE promised me to come visit in Bnei Brak to visit our incubator in Bnei Brak. I also spoke with the mayor of Bnei Brak. He told me he will give them. A VIP, you know, a tour, reception yeah. tour. So who knows, you know? Unbelievable. Moshe Friedman, it's Kamatech Haredim Bahaitech, and he's the founder of that company. And uh, we have regards for you from uh, J.J. Sussman. Of course. Who's a dear friend. A dear and friend. And a long-time friend. And I see he's the same for you, a dear yeah, long-time friend. Yeah, he's a dear friend. He's a very special person. And thanks, uh, J.J., we're sitting here together now. Moshe Tadarabai, I can't believe that this first conversation with you happened in Dubai, but Baruch Hashem it did. Yeah, it's really, I, I feel, you know, yesterday we had a, an event, it's called the Concert for Peace. Right. They brought uh, Andrea Bucelli right. to sing, and I was sitting there with people from Israel, people from the Emirates, and I felt it's like a dream come true, you know. Who can, and the food was kosher lemeadrin. So who can imagine such, a, such an event? Just, you know, one, two years ago. We are living in historic times, and being here has just proven that. Also being here, you are the beneficiary of the official memento of this journey, the Nahum Siegel Network Dubai 2020 shirt. When you go back to Baybrock and they say, did you really meet Nahum Siegel? You say, <laughs> I have the shirt to prove it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank it's you a very great honor. Thank you. Tadarabah Moshe. Moshe Friedman, everybody. And uh, this, this story of what's going on here in Dubai in relation to Israeli entrepreneurship and Dubai entrepreneurship is simply amazing. Ari Bick is here. Ari Bick handles operations and logistics for a firm that we are very familiar with at this point, koshertravelers.com, and uh, Ari is here in Dubai. And uh, just in the couple of days we've been here, we've seen up close and personal just how hard Ari works to take care of logistics and operations. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Nice to meet you. Welcome, mm. welcome. Nice to meet you. You had some nice words about our radio broadcast that you remember for many years, and I appreciate that very <laughs> much. Um, well, we've been talking about koshertravelers.com and, uh, and the, uh, the, the firm Kosher Travelers. Uh, David Wallace has been a tremendous uh, assist to us uh, during this entire journey, and I think the first thing people think about when we talk about any type of travel is what's been happening over the last few months. And if I have the story right, you're among those who generally is in the travel industry who saw you had a little bit too much free time Correct. over the last few months and decided to do something about that. When did you get to Dubai? So the first trip was right at the beginning of November, 1st of November. You said you had enough. I've basically been here <laughs> since. Have you been here regularly since? Pretty much. Went home for a week and otherwise I've been here. And when we say uh, that you're handling things, that means speaking to hotels, I so, assume, and yeah, caterers, etc. Working with the hotels, organizing the rooms. We've got groups coming. We have a lot of FITs coming, arranging the rooms for them, uh, arranging the food to make sure they're going to get kosher food. 
there's a lot, a lot of demand. So if you're not in the right hands, you could end up being without food. Here. Right. You end up so, not eating, frankly. Yes, yes, there are people that did not manage to organize themselves right. because they. I've met people that just showed up and at two hours before Shabbat, where's my food? But if you don't book and you don't arrange, then uh, <laughs> it's not handled for you. So. so what do you think of this glut of tourism? I know for someone in your industry, it's great to see, but there are challenges. And this, just this food piece that you mentioned mm-hmm. is one of the greater challenges as, right. as this community and the community of people like yourself responsible for tourism, as this continues to, um, to fill the need of food supply, the demand is going to get even bigger. It's how does one figure out how to balance this thing? It's being filled. I have to tell you, when we were here beginning of November, we told the hotels that you're going to get an influx of people. They didn't believe us because they'd also been for so many months without guests. Right. They did not believe it was coming. And we said, it's coming, it's coming. And now they're also in shock. But uh, it's being dealt with. There's a lot of people dealing with it. And uh, yeah, every day... Uh, with the catering company that we work with, they opened up a restaurant in this right. week. So everyday things are happening and moving forward, and the supply is there. But it it, it can't be uh, two hours before you want to eat, you just fall onto a place and say, "I'm here to eat," because there's a hundred people in line behind you. If you're booked and you're organised, you will get your food. So anyone coming on a kosher travellers program, he knows he's taken care of. How big can this grow? I know that there are people all around the world now focused on this region of the world. I know that in Israel, it's, the feeling is it's the only place people can actually vacation to now. It's one of the reasons you're here, I think. Listen, right? It's an interesting place to come. You can vacation, but it's, it's a feeling. I, I just came now in a taxi with a Pakistani driver. He's welcoming me. He says, I've been here seven years, so it's my pleasure to welcome you. And, he has, and everyone will tell you, you get into any cab, talk to any it's, person. It's really He remarkable. says, here it's about tolerance. Here it's not the religion, it's not the politics, it's being human, it's humanity. And it's you get that feeling when you're here. And you don't get that in other places around the world. So when people come to visit, it's not just about the adventure and the excitement and the buildings and it's the biggest and the best and everything. And they're good at that, that's for sure. And the service, which is excellent. It's when you meet people and you speak to people, there's a true... Um, it's a feeling that they're not real faking sincerity. it. Yeah, they're not faking it. Everyone across the board is not faking and, and that's a pleasure to be here. And then you can meet Arabs who welcome you and Pakistanis and Indians and Filipinos, whatever it is. There are 200 nationalities here. Pretty amazing. Ari Bick, koshertravelers.com. Will there really be a massive number of kosher Pesach programs for Passover 2021 in Dubai? It's a big question. It yeah. is a big question, right? We heard very, uh, a month or two ago, we heard very big numbers, then it's starting to come down. I'm not sure how many there will actually be. Uh, the question is how many people are willing to put down their money and say they're coming today. Uh, I can tell you being here ready over a month, I feel safe. Security-wise, I'm the safest you'll ever be. You're safer here than, I won't say which other countries, but yes, you are safer you here. You are safer here. Okay, uh, I left my hotel room one day by accident. The door was wide open for four hours. I came back. I thought I'd been broken into. And I, I mentioned, he goes, don't worry. He goes, this is Dubai. You can leave your door open the whole time. My computer's sitting there on the table. So safety-wise, you're good here. Corona-wise, they've got it pretty much you're under control. Here. Yes, if you here, look right. at the statistics, they're right. testing over 100,000 people a day. The, the positivity rate is 1% or less. It's not like that in other countries. So, yeah, you're careful. You wear the mask. Some people would say they don't want to take a vacation with the mask. But if you're sensible, when yeah, you sit down to eat, to your mask yeah. comes off. But people are working here. They wear the mask. So, yes, you could have a very nice 
beautiful Pesach program here without a problem. I'm saying now there's no problem to book and to come unless your country shuts your doors. There's no reason not to come here. They're welcoming and it could work very nicely. But people need to, after being locked for so long, some people are nervous to take that first step out the front door. Other people are dying to get out the front mm-hmm. door, but they don't know how to do it. I'm telling you, it's worth stepping out the front door. Once the world opens up again. The world's open. We'll, Here we'll, we're open. We'll, Dubai is open. Once the world opens up again and, and all the cruises and all the Pesach programs and all the exotic tours and safaris that your company does are back in motion, will you still be concentrating on this region? Or you don't know yet? We'll still focus here. I'm talking There's, about you specifically. Will you be? Me? Uh, yes, yes. This will be your, yeah, yeah, this will be your place. Well, in the past, I focused on uh, it, Italy. Right. We've been there for a number of years, four years. I personally was not involved in the cruises. David does that. Uh, so when those things start operating, David will be back onto those cruises and the other hotels and in Pesach in Israel, that for sure will happen again. But yes, my focus at the moment is I'm, I'm happy to take, I always take a country and I focus on that one country. We've been saying to people, if you come to the UAE and you want to know where to eat, where to pray, where to get things done, that you say it again? Don't call me. <laughs> no, but, but they have someone here that actually koshertravelers.com can be very helpful to them in terms of giving them advice about how to handle it. T- today I took a few hours to answer my emails. Oh. I managed to clear 70 emails that I hadn't gotten. It's 130 the from the last few days. Right. I cleared 70 this morning and it was exhausting. But that's that's the level of inquiries and and help me and feed me and where can I go and where do I stay? So that's that's coming in, in every few days. That's the quantity. I get it. And there's a lot to respond to. And one of the concepts is to run by you. And that is that there are, uh, koshertravelers.com is offering uh, an exotic and wonderful tour of the UAE for this coming January for next month, Yeshiva yeah. Break. We have been harping on the theme that people could actually meet here, as you know. It's hard for Americans to travel to Israel, but one thing that's easy these days is for Americans to travel to the UAE and for Israelis to now travel to the UAE as well. So family and friends who haven't seen each other for close to a year can now do so in January with your company. So people should keep that in mind. Yep. You and can also do your wedding here. So if the boy found a shidduch while he right. was there, bring the girl and get married. That's get it right. over and done with. You know, there are people who have, who <laughs> have come to Dubai specifically for a wedding. There's many Jewish weddings being planned here now. Amazing. Maybe. Talk Maybe. about a destination and wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ari Bick, I thank you. Continued success with Kosher Travelers thank you at koshertravelers.com. And good luck in this region of the world. Thank Looks you like you have a good much. handle on it, to <laughs> say the least. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web and the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. I want to thank all of our wonderful sponsors and all the great people that have helped us get here at this point. And um, and we will outline them for you a little later on in this broadcast. Meanwhile, I remind you uh, that uh, we get closer and closer to the holiday of Hanukkah. And uh, this is one of the, what I would call already, a classic from the Maccabees at JM in the AM. I'll tell a tale, 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 yeah. Of Maccabees in Israel, hell, 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 yeah. When the Greeks tried to assail, sell, 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 yeah. But it was all to no avail, fell, 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 yeah, yeah. The war went on and on and on until the mighty Greeks were gone, yeah. I put my lockers in the air sometimes, saying it.
Thoughts, thought, are they for real, 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 real? Those max beasts, they never yield, 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 yield. They charge ahead with sword and shield, 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 shield. Yeah, yeah, the war went on and on and on until the mighty Greeks were gone. Yeah, I'm in my lockers in the air sometimes to say no. Spin the dreidel, just wanna celebrate for all the nights. Singing no, light the candles. We say my own food, oh yeah, for all the nights. Traveling 7,000 miles in order to reunite with Rabbi Dr. Eli Abadi in Dubai. We can never get this done on the Upper East Side. No, we never, in fact, uh, were able to conduct an on-air conversation when we were in New York. But we travel to Dubai, to the UAE, and all of a sudden, we're able to uh, sit down with Rabbi Abadi and have a conversation. He is the senior rabbi of the Jewish Council of the United Arab Emirates. And frankly, when I first met him almost 40 years ago, I never thought that I'd be introducing him as the senior rabbi of the Jewish Council of the United Arab Emirates. Rabbi Dr. Eliabadi, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, my dear friend Nahum. Yes, 40 years ago, we were sitting together at the Shiur at Yeshiva. And, and nobody, look where we are today. Look huh? where we are today. Nobody <laughs> knows what the future holds. That is so true. Um, let's start from the beginning, because you were not born in the United States, correct? Correct. You were born where? I was born in Beirut, Lebanon, and I'm sure as we were sitting in the Shi'ur, and the way I would pronounce the Hebrew words of the Talmud were slightly different than the, re- the rest of the Bachrim were pronouncing. So you were born in Beirut at a time when that was known as the Paris of the Middle East. Uh, That's correct. And And now, it's funny, we're sort of in the Paris of the Middle East right now. Absolutely. So that's why I said that when I was uh, appointed and named as the senior rabbi, I said I'm really kind of coming back home, closing the circle. It's funny you say that, but it's actually true to an extent. Why not? Uh, It's more to an extent. It's the same language, the same tradition, the same uh, culture. And indeed, you know the whole back. routine, as we like to say. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so at what age did you get to the United States? 
Well, I actually, I left Lebanon at age 10. We emigrated to Mexico as refugees. And then at age 18, after Yeshiva High School, I came to the United States to to study at Yeshiva. So when we met, you had just been a quote-unquote American for a very short amount of time. Uh, Absolutely. Maybe was just resident, actually. Right. May not have been yet a citizen. How did you adjust to the whole situation there in Washington Heights (laughs) in such a quick period of time? Well, actually, in Washington Heights, I kind of felt at home also because it (laughs) was... Spanish. Exactly. (laughs) The Spanish language did not... uh, not, You could walk the streets and feel like you're you're part of the group. Absolutely. (laughs) I was walking down the street saying hello, hola to all the neighbors without any fear and without any concern, while the rest of my friends at Yeshiva, they were all worried. (laughs) I I remember, believe me, especially in that era as you remember. That's correct. It was much different than today. And some of the great supporters, if I'm not mistaken, of Yeshiva University came from Mexico. Am I right? That's I, correct. I believe the... That's correct. Uh, just remind me which the family. Marcos the Marcos Katz family. The Marcos Katz family is a Mexican family. That's correct. I think till this very day, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Wow, interesting. So what a tradition. Lebanon, Mexico, and then New York City. So then at some point, in it, uh, at some point you actually obtain a medical degree, right? Absolutely. I make yes. it sound like you bought it, but no, you, no. you worked hard to uh, getting a medical degree. Believe Believe me, I worked hard. Four years medical school, one year internship, two years residency, three years of uh, of fellowship. So it's with like, the encouragement it's, uh, of your parents, were they like were they years. were they at the forefront of making sure you got a medical degree? Absolutely. Which Jewish mother doesn't want to have that's even the ones from Beirut? Even the ones from Beirut. And then, of course, it, it was absolutely wonderful when we heard the news that you had taken a position in the rabbinate. And one wonders, you know, rabbi, doctor, you know. Which one does he decide to, uh, you know, to, to have dominate his life? But in a way, you had both dominate your life, uh, right? You, you always had that medical piece in addition to the rabbinic piece. Absolutely. I was raised Torah im melacha or Torah im avodah. And I was raised with that uh, Sephardic tradition that you serve God and you serve humanity. Of course, the, the paradigm, the, the, the best example is Maimonides. But together with him, there were over thousands of Chachamim right. in Spain that had double uh, profession, the rabbinate on one hand and something else on the other hand. And we should point out that today the Upper East Side Jewish community is booming. Well, uh, during COVID, that may be the wrong word to use because so many people have left Manhattan. But I think you know what I mean until this whole pandemic started. Sure. And, and part or majority of the credit would go to you. You helped build a really important section of New York City, which I know has a rich tradition. There were plenty of Jews there, but there's certain sections of the Upper East Side that really did, were, was not enjoying a strong Jewish presence until you got there. Uh, absolutely. There, the, the Sephardic community of the Upper East Side was minimal, really minimal. And Baruch Hashem, as I arrived there in 2002 with the Edmund J. Safra Synagogue, right. we were able to build a uh, beautiful community, we built a community center, the Moi Safra Community Center, we built a school, the Sephardic Academy of Manhattan. And so indeed, we were able, with the help of Hashem, build an entire community, uh, booming, strong, uh, with a great presence. Until this day, uh, I'm sure you know that even, even today, again, all COVID um, uh, suggestions aside, uh, it's not just a strong community. It's also a strong young community. You have a lot of youth, uh, young couples in the Sephardic community who are moving to that area of Manhattan. Uh, absolutely, and that's why we saw the need to start a school. Right. We have an early childhood program going into an elementary school, and that was a, is a cycle, so to speak. We recognized the need for it, and once you build it, more young couples with children right. came. You for used to come for one year and then go back to the suburbs, but now because of the school, the community center, and the Bet Knesset, 
they have stayed there for the rest of the life. So even in that section of your life where you're leading all these hundreds of families, you're still able to maintain a medical career? Was that on pause? How did it work? I did not. I all uh, all along I kept my two professions. It's of pretty course, amazing. Yes, of course I started originally with more medicine and less rabbinate, right. but always I had them. And then as I uh, took charge of the community in the city and built it, then I was more rabbinate and shifted, but I still was always doing two to three days a week medicine, two days a week medicine. So, and believe it or not, even here, I will be doing the same thing. Today, I had... Uh, Do you have a degree to, or, or, or whatever well, credentials are necessary to be in the medical profession here? That's correct. They will take my American credentials yeah. and, and revalidate them here. And today, I had a meeting with a hospital, and I'm going to be doing endoscopy, <laughs> colonoscopy, practicing GI, also two days a week. And I probably have the most advanced equipment here in this country, I would bet, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Even better than what you were using back in the U.S. Most likely, yes. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Um, Rabbi Dr. Elia Body is here. Now, how does one with the resume, and I hope everyone was listening over the last few minutes because what a fascinating story your life is. How does one with this resume then become the senior rabbi of the Jewish Council of the United Arab Emirates. It's 7,000 miles away from Manhattan. It's nowhere near your homesteads of Beirut and Mexico. Tell me how one gets this position. Well, I, uh, I got to know the community for the last two years. I came, I visited it, I brought a Sefer Torah. We uh, celebrated Purim together, and uh, I established communication with the community and also with, with government officials as I got to know them. And uh, in my two years of advising the community, uh, partnering with Rabbi Sarna uh, and uh, doing work in a sense together, finally the community and Rabbi Sarna said, you know what, why don't you just go there, be there, you'll be the right fit, you'll, you'll feel at home uh, with your Arabic and with your culture that you know. You there was never a permanent rabbi in that position. There was never a local permanent right. rabbi, correct. Who lived here, Who lived here, right. a resident rabbi. And so uh, I thought about it for a few days and I said, you know what? It's definitely closer to Lebanon than from New York. <laughs> when did it become official? When did you get this position well, official? Well, the, the appointment was uh, official October 16, and I arrived here November 12th. Unbelievable. And without the UAE-Israel deal, I don't know if it's a, it affects what you just described or not in terms of your own history. W would, would you be the senior rabbi here? Would you have a residential pulpit? Or did the deal really have nothing to do with what you were going through? Uh, most likely I would have had it. However, the deal definitely sped things up. The deal opened up doors. The deal uh, uh, created an influx of Jews and Israelis uh, where a Jewish community, a present and flourishing Jewish community, is very necessary to support and maintain Jews who are going to live here, Jewish businessmen, and even Jewish tourists. So and you are now here. You are now here. Your family is here, I'm or, now or here. some of your my, family? Uh, my family is following me. I came to prepare the territory, so to speak, get it ready, and my family will be following me soon. Right, because at this point, I assume you have adult children, and some could decide to, to come with you, and others could That's correct. Could they pursue told me, their they, own. They told me, Abba, you know, Dad, if you find us a job over there, we're following <laughs> through. We're coming with you. <laughs> They're going to use you for networking in order, to, in order to get something in their own well, field of uh, expertise. Not just them, but there is a whole line of people wanting some connections. <laughs> Including some of the people you served in Manhattan? Uh, of course. Who would like to come here and be part of this? Of course. 
of course. That's many, pretty unbelievable. Many people told me in the community and also outside the community says, why don't you go there, start a beachhead for us. And uh, if there are opportunities, we would love to come. And now that we know you're there and the way you build the community in Manhattan, we sure you'll be able to build that over there. That's what I would say. So think. we wouldn't we would like nothing. Uh, you've set the bar high with, with what you did in Manhattan, frankly. Uh, you and I, I'm sure, on the same page that there's really only one community that we want to see grow in this world as a Jewish community. That's, of course, the greater Jewish community of Israel. All that aside for a moment, speaking in realistic terms, do you think people from around the globe would move here and help you build this community to be even larger? I do believe they will because uh, the United Arab Emirates has become now the beacon of freedom of religion, a very welcoming society and community a community, a country that wants to have a population that lives in peace and harmony, and they understand the value of peace and coexistence. Uh, I can say there is no uh, visible uh, anti-Semitism, uh, and we know, unfortunately... Just the opposite. Well, exactly. Saw, it's, right? it's the welcoming the people on the street. They see me with kippah, they say shalom, they want to take pictures. Uh, so far, all my dealings with government officials and important families have been very, very welcoming. Uh, loving the idea of having Jews uh, and Israelis right. in this country. They want the business, they want them to come and see, and they want them to come and live. Does your position need the approval of the royal palace or anything like that? Is there anything uh, official from the... Well, th there is definitely a need for a, a nod and an authorization, and yes. So uh, they read up about you? Uh, more, yeah, more, <laughs> more than read up about me, that's correct, and it was authorized, and of course is, is also certified and licensed right. to practice the rabbinate, so to speak. Right. But as you know, a Western world is becoming, uh, anti-Semitism is increasing in Europe and even in the United States. Yeah, we know it. And uh, you have in Europe, for example, uh, many of the Jews, especially in France and in England, their origins are from North Africa and the Middle East. So uh, that Jewish community will feel very, very comfortable coming and living here, if for any reason they don't want to live in Israel. Uh, but of course, Israel is the greater Jewish community. However, there'll be many, many families and many Jews who would want to find maybe a different place for now to flourish, to live, to develop, and to have to take uh, make opportunities and, and take them. Right. And people want to take advantage of the business opportunities, as you point out, and uh, that will, as we've seen from Jewish history, that will attract Jews from all around the world, as Absolute. industries tend to do. Absolutely. If I could make a historical parallel, sure. maybe, is the same thing, uh, maybe not at that, uh, that uh, degree, but uh, when the Sultan Bayezid from, from the Ottoman Empire opened up, opened up uh, the doors of the right. empire to welcome all the Sephardic exiles uh, from Spain, that's how I feel it's happening now here in the United Arab Emirates and actually in the region because Bahrain is also another country that, uh, right. that has a Jewish community and has opened up its doors. And has a peace agreement with and Israel. And has a peace agreement with Israel. And so I feel in at certain degree in a similar historical fashion that now the UAE and the uh, the Gulf region is opening up its doors to welcome the Jewish people to come, settle, do business, and live. Have you brushed up on your Arabic? Uh, Which means? But I speak Arabic very well. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly impressed me with that line. I'll tell you that much. Um, all, 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 yeah, all my dealings, all my dealings with government officials and local Emirati people are all in Arabic. That must be for them. A, a unique experience, seeing uh, a rabbi come from the West and being able to communicate like uh, that with them. Absolutely. They all have told me it's so refreshing to see a Jew 
uh, you know, uh, selling, telling them parables in Arabic, parables that they remember since they were kids, or singing with them famous classical Arabic songs, which they enjoy. So you wonder why God put you them. in Lebanon for 10 years. Uh, I guess so. Now I you know what so. kind of orientation he was giving you, a very important one. I guess so. Rabbi Dr. Eliabadi, what a way to reunite. I'm so excited that you're here, and I am congratulating you on behalf of this vast and uh, very serious Jewish audience on being the senior rabbi of the Jewish Council of the United Arab Emirates. And uh, years from now, people will ask you, were you really part of the initial historic Nahum Siegel broadcast from Dubai? And you will have this to pull out of your drawer. You will have an NSN, Nahum Siegel Network, Dubai 2020 shirt as evidence that you were part of our initial broadcast from Dubai, UAE. I hope you accept this with pride. Of course, I will accept <laughs> it with pride, but I will wear it also with, with pride. There you go. That's Thank what you very much. That's what we're counting on. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi Abadi. Thank you, my dear friend, Nahum. Simply All amazing. And welcome to Dubai. Tadarabah. And we look forward to our next visit and uh, participating with you in your services and in your community. More coming up. You are listening to a Thursday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM as we continue on this era of Hanukkah. Uh, more coming up at JM in the AM from Dubai. J.M. in the A.M. Thursday morning broadcast as we are in our final hour from Dubai. Could you imagine? This has been quite an adventure to say the least. 
and uh, we are here meeting people in the community and speaking about uh, history, speaking about the historic agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Uh, Alex Peterfreund is here, co-founder and chazan of the Jewish community of the United Arab Emirates. He is joined by Hamdan Al-Kindi, who is a businessman here in the UAE. Alex, greetings. Thanks so much for joining us today. With pleasure. It's my pleasure. Nice to have you here. And Hamdan, thank you very much for being here as well. It's my pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Alex, when did you first walk into the UAE? How does one elevate from foreigner to the Chazan and co-founder of this community? So I, I arrived here in t early 2014. And uh, I work in the diamond and the jewelry industry. And I was looking for a new opportunity. And uh, I arrived here. And uh, I must say, my parents, my friends, everybody thought that I'm crazy, that I'm going to Ramallah. Uh, my mother was waking up at 2 o'clock in the middle of the night, calling me to see if I'm okay, if nobody stabbed me. And I must tell you that uh, I was amazed by uh, by uh, by the Emirati people, by how kind they are, how open they are, how modern and clean the city is. And uh, yeah. and uh, So you've been part of this community, or co-founder, as we say, since 2014. And you've basically been here since? Yeah. I, I met uh, my good friend Ross Creel, was the first person that I'm, Jewish person that I met here in Dubai. And uh, basically him and me, we started, you know, praying in his living room. And that's how the whole Jewish community of the Emirates actually was born. And now you're witnessing, especially in light of the wonderful circumstances we've been outlining, UAE and Israel, uh, you're witnessing what is uh, potentially tremendous growth in this community. This community, I, I think that even myself cannot realize how much this community is going to grow. I think you come here in five years, you're going to have more Jews here than you have, uh, I don't know, in many European cities. Have you already been contacted from people outside the UAE who've said they're taking it very seriously, the prospect of moving here and setting up shop here? I met, for instance, a French couple that, uh, you know, started asking me about education, about uh, children, about, you know, how they would be able to come here. I know what's going to happen, you know, I've I'm, I'm been telling that already before the Abrahamic Accord also that we're going to grow. And now with this, I mean, we're going to grow tremendously, I know that. We're at the Renaissance Hotel. You're actually using this hotel for services right now, right? Exactly. And the new synagogue, hopefully, when? What do you think? Soon? Very soon. I hope very soon. In a matter and of weeks? In a matter of weeks. And, uh, and then in six months, I think we're going to start looking for a new place because this <laughs> place is going to start to be too small too. Unbelievable. Uh, Alex Peterfreund is here, joined by Hamdan Al-Kindi. Hamdan, you're described as a businessman, somebody who's very familiar with the UAE. I'm assuming you were born here in the UAE. Yes, and I'm, I'm born in the UAE. I'm from Abu Dhabi. I'm from the capital. And uh, I come very often to Dubai because most of my business is between Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Have you met other Jewish people aside from Alex over the last few years? You can't consider me part of the community because I was one of the first Emirati having Shabbats in the community. How did that happen? How does this, how does this occur that all of a sudden someone from your background is interested enough and motivated enough to participate in a service or a meal like that? So first of all, uh, I used to work in Switzerland and Zurich. And for me as a Muslim, uh, I eat halal. And my second option is kosher. So in Switzerland... The, my, second, my first option was kosher because halal restaurants was very selectively there. So I started meeting 
Jews friend, Jewish friends in the restaurants. And then I was hearing them speaking a language which I was a bit curious. Is it an Arabic language or Russian? Then I asked them, they said, this is the language of the Jews. And by myself, I was shocked. I said, the Jews, they have their own language. Then they told <laughs> me, yes. Then from there, I started learning uh, Hebrew. I hired a private tutor teaching me online. And uh, till now, I'm continuing studying Hebrew. And you do speak plenty I of speak, Hebrew, right? Yeah, I speak with a pretty good <laughs> accent, by yeah. the way. His Middle Eastern accent's better than mine. Yeah. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yes, I see you agree with me. <laughs> um, and what in, uh, are you in multiple industries? Because we've met business people here who really say that their portfolio is diverse. You concentrate on one or... Or you have many business interests in this country? No, actually now uh, me and Alex, we opened a company which is called uh, Abraham Consultant pa- Partners, which is uh, onboarding Israeli companies in the UAE and advise them how to transact and make transaction here in the UAE. So you've had a couple of very busy months, I would assume. I think uh, busy as little is more than busy even. <laughs> we could not sleep. And did you expect all this once the announcement was made? Did you think that there would be this type of open dialogue, this type of corridor between investors and entrepreneurs from Israel and the UAE? I'll tell you my story. On 12th of August, uh, I called Eli Kosher Kitchen. I was coming from Abu Dhabi to Dubai. So I ordered some meal for dinner. And then I was passing through her house. I grabbed the food from her house. It was like at 6 p.m. Then suddenly I received the news on my WhatsApp from my Swiss friends. I thought it was a fake news because you uh, know it's un- un- unexpected. And suddenly, uh, within half an hour, my phone was ringing, my WhatsApp call was ringing, my Skype was ringing, my phone collapsed. We didn't believe it really. We lived in a depression moment of COVID. We were depressed, and suddenly, the excitement life came. You know, it's something really amazing. It, it's so important for our listeners to hear this. It was a cause for celebration. This was not just a cause for celebration in the royal palace. This was a cause of celebration for business people and regular citizens of the UAE. Look, this wa- the peace plan is not the peace between leaders. It's the peace between people. I'm sitting with Jews. I'm spending most of my time with Jews, having food, uh, celebrating, coming to the Shabbat. They're going to come to our occasion. So uh, we, are, we are enjoying our life, you know. Alex, how was it? Was it a real celebration here when all this happened? Uh yes, definitely. I mean, we were we 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 are still overwhelmed. I mean, sometimes I'm yeah, sitting. Seems that way, right. some, sometimes I'm sitting somewhere and I see you know those Hasidic Jews coming and I'm meeting them in the elevator and I you know I I want to close my eyes and to see you know if I'm dreaming of this right. is the reality. It's you know Dubai is a very modern city, is a hub for a lot of things. But you know I, I really believe it's going to become a Jewish hub too. Unbelievable. Uh, Hamdan, uh, it's hard to explain exactly uh, what American Jewry thinks of this part of the world. But I can tell you uh, that for many, it's difficult for them to believe that there are really peace-loving members of the Islamic community who want to reach out and have friendships like the one that you have with Alex and so many others. And one of the reasons we're here, frankly, is to tell people and to remind people on that side of the world that, that even though there are those who murder in the name of their religion, that is a real minority of those who follow the Muslim tradition. Uh, do you understand how important this is to, to get this across to people who may not believe it? Well, uh, first of all, I would like to say yes, because the Muslim population is very big and everybody used the Islam. Our Islam was hijacked. People was using 
the Islam as terror. But in reality, they can come to the Middle East, to the GCC, and they can experience in Dubai and the UAE. As soon as they arrive to Dubai, all all their questions which are in their mind will be answered immediately from the door of the airport. Dubai and the people of Emirates, we are very friendly people. We we are one of the we are the safest country I think in the world. You walk up, you walk up two a.m. in the morning. I guarantee you that no one will come and touch you. Yeah. You put your phone on the table. I never lock my car. Alex never locked his car. Even most of my time, we, I don't lock my car and I keep my wallet, my phone. I never, I never faced any issue here. And you can ask Alex. You can ask any foreigners here in this country. You grew up where? I grew up in Antwerp in Belgium. And, uh, and very different than the society that uh, was just described, that Hamdan just told us about. 100%. But I, I, I really think that the base of everything, of every civilization, is, is, uh, is education. Right. Okay? Now, we always talk about, you know, Palestinians, uh, uh, the way they educate their youth, about hate and everything. But I, maybe I'm going to surprise you, but I think we have a lot of work to do ourselves. Yeah. You know, a lot of no people, uh, 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 most probably American Jews also, they, they think about, uh, when they think about Muslims, they think about uh, 9-11. But right. it's not the case. Well, as Golda Meir said, sometimes, th- sometimes the enemy forced us to believe that as well. It's not just us believing it, but because we went through so many of those experiences so and know people so who did, we have to be educated ourselves. So maybe our Muslim friends here in the UAE will force us to r- see the other side of the medal and the, and, and, and the reality. I agree with you. I 100% agree with you, especially after this visit, uh, meeting people like Hamdan and others who are just so loving of humanity, not just Jews, lovers of humanity and progress and growing together and peace. There's something to be said for it, and it's remarkable to see it up close and personal. Uh, my thanks to Alex Peterfreund. Uh, when you visit the uh, Jewish community here in the UAE, it will be Peter likely leading services as Chazan, right? Peter Freund is my service. <laughs> It'll be Alex, rather. I apologize. Exactly. I knew I was going to make that mistake, by the way. <laughs> I said to myself for weeks, ever since your name was told to me. But it will be Alex who is going to be leading the services. Exactly. <laughs> so people exactly. should, should take advantage of your hospitality. And if you want to listen to Hamdan and me singing Zmirat on Friday night, you're mostly welcome to come to Does he know them well? <laughs> my kids would be impressed. 100%. 100%. They won't believe what they hear. Hamdan Al-Kindi. Todaraba. Thank you so much for being here today. You've really enhanced our <laughs> visit here and i appreciate it more coming up it's a jm in the am broadcast as we continue and uh many of you have heard about ellie's kosher kitchen it's funny because um whenever whenever somebody hears about a jewish community existing in some part of the world usually the first thing they ask is is there any kosher food available and in this case for the last few weeks because that was one of the first questions we asked um ellie creel was introduced to us uh, she leads Ellie's Kosher Kitchen. It's a landmark week for her and her staff and her kitchen family because now they're not just a food delivery service anymore and one that provides uh, food for visitors, for tourists, etc. Uh, but now Ellie's Kosher Kitchen actually has a temporary permanent residence uh, in the El Habtor Hotel. And I'm not sure I have the name correct, but I think that that's how it goes. And they're actually seating people in restaurant style, including us who are the beneficiaries of it. Uh, and... Um, and Ellie Creel, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. I feel bad because we are getting you in likely one of your busiest weeks <laughs> of 2020. Can I assume I'm correct about that? That is correct. It has been an incredible week. We, we think that there are 20,000 Israelis in Dubai at the moment. So um, 
given that we are right now right twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. That is what um, we've been told. In the Hilton Hub Tour City, where I now have my kitchen and my restaurant, which you sat in last yeah, night. And enjoyed tremendously. Thank you so much. Um, we know that in that hotel alone, there are 400 Israelis, um, many of them requiring kosher. It's, it's, for me, it's, a, it's, a, it's an astounding thing because, you know, for many years, having lived here, we, um, we were never so public about our identity right and also you know you know my husband and my son would never wear the kippot out right and now we come into the lobby of a hotel and you see kippot everywhere and a lot of hebrew and a lot of hebrew and it's just it's 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 i have to pinch myself it is unbelievable the whole experience must be incredible from your standpoint, and I remind everybody, you're, you and your family are here for many years already, 12 years, am I right? Um, no, so we, my husband started coming through in about 2008, right. but we moved here in 2013. Right. Seven yeah. years. Seven years. Not a bad run, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Um, th- everyone's curious about the, uh, the supply. Mm. We know the demand is there. You just described it. Now, Definitely. what do you do about supply? You have to get kosher food to this city. That's correct. So that is that is a big challenge at the moment. You know, when I was working from home providing kosher food, it wasn't so bad because my volume was small. Right. So I could go to the supermarket. You can get kosher products in the supermarket, but not a, a not not much in terms. Of, well, we couldn't get meat. We couldn't get much dairy products. But if you were vegan, it was perfect. Right. And if you were pescatarian, it was also perfect. <laughs> and that's what we did for many, many years. Now, of course, as I say, 20,000 Israelis in town for Jitex and other reasons. They don't want fish. They don't want fish. <laughs> they want meat. And um, that supply chain is still being set up. And there are many people, you know, coming past now offering me different meat samples from various places. Of course, Israeli meat is coming in. Um, UK, US, so it's going to happen. Um, you're probably analyzing your own business model over the last few weeks and Correct. wondering, I'm not putting words in your mouth, I'm just conjecturing, mm. that you're probably thinking, am I looking at a permanent restaurant space? Am I looking at a permanent catering hall? Am I looking at numbers that are astounding compared to what you're used to, 100, 200, 300, whatever it might be on a nightly basis? How are you processing all this and how do you think you're going to proceed? It's it's a, it's a lot to take in, I have to say. I, I think, you know, we, we're processing on our feet as, right. we, as we're moving and we're going along. Um, you know, a few days ago, I was still delivering food, right. you know, to individuals. Um, that became unsustainable overnight because the volume of food required um, was just too much for us to handle. So that's why the pop-up restaurant started. Correct. To say to people, rather come to us and it will be easier for you. And also, you know, it gives people a bit more of an environment rather than sitting and eating in your room or having to find a park or maybe a swimming pool to sit next to and eat. It's a bit more, you know. Yeah, uh, restaurant style, It's restaurants, yeah. And now how do you make these decisions going forward? Am I right that restaurant space is in your mind? Yes, definitely. Um, so this pop-up will become a permanent restaurant at the Hilton Hub to City. I have another one planned in Dubai at um, one of the Marriott's. Um, wow. And um, wow. hoping, of course, to take a third space if I can. 
Um, in Abu Dhabi, I have got a big kitchen that is being built for me at the moment. It will have the capacity for a thousand meals a day. Wow. And that will have outdoor seating for up to 400 people. So any tour group that's coming in and wants to have a meal in Abu Dhabi or stay over in Abu Dhabi and want to have those meals delivered into their hotels, certainly it's possible. Uh, there are people listening right now, and you know this because I'm sure you've gotten this reaction from around the world, who are now planning trips here. Yes. The best way mm-hmm. to reserve space or reserve your services, is there a way to do this online? Like, what should people know right now in terms of getting information about what you do? So, um, the best way to do it is to phone the Hilton Hotel mm-hmm. and to make a reservation for the restaurant. Essentially, it's their front desk that'll make Correct. reservations for your Correct. restaurant. That would be the best place. At the moment, I'm not taking any more reservations off my website, just simply so that I can streamline everything. Understood. And it would be better to handle it through them because at the moment, it's you know I'm pulled from pillar to post and I just want to make sure that I, I'm able to re- reply to everyone. And if you have to rely on me, <laughs> you know, it might not be as good as the front desk. Hanukkah hasn't even started. Have you heard that next week, Hanukkah week is even bigger than this one or it won't be comparable you know i'm i'm i don't i'm not sure to be honest i'm trying to feel that out um i know that i'm getting a lot of requests for hanukkah as i always do you know sufganiyot and latkes but um i think the biggest volume was because of jitex right um, this week's conference just yeah yeah so this week's conference um the technology conference so that is ending tomorrow I think the numbers are going to go down a little bit, but I've been told that there are a number of weddings that are happening in Dubai oh, at the right. moment. And they would need your services. Yep. So. And before the wedding also, they would need your services just Correct. to make sure they have meals for their family and friends. Um, were you surprised about all this? I mean, uh, you're a resident here for seven years. Did you think that th- this was imminent? Did you know that this was happening? You know, I thought that with um, Expo, you know, they were talking about Expo 2020 right. and they allowed the Israeli stand to a pavilion to be built there. And I thought to myself, definitely by um, Expo, they would have to create some kind of system. I didn't think of full normalization, but I thought maybe a semi, you know, normalization to allow Israelis in to at least see their own pavilion. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> <Good point. laughs> and um, you know, so I thought that something would ease up by then. I never expected full normalization. Hamdan, who was just here yeah. speaking to you, so he was, you know, he, he and I are very good friends. He, he mentioned during the conversation yeah. how he, he picks up food occasionally yeah, from your kitchen. he does. <laughs> and um, actually that particular night when it was announced, I had just handed over. Correct, he told us. You know, food <laughs> to him. And when he drove away, 30 seconds later, I get this text from him. And I was so stunned, I, could, I, I couldn't speak. I, I mean, the two of us were speechless, and then our phones just went crazy. Well, you're living through history. Mm. We're witnesses now, I'm proud to say, of history, having been here and seen all this. And when the history books are written, and mm. they ask who the first provider of kosher <laughs> meals was in the UAE, it's Ellie Creel's name that's going to be coming up. And Ellie Creel's, uh, Ellie's Kosher Kitchen uh, is the address for kosher food, especially catering style, full meals, etc., uh, here in the UAE. Uh, I thank you for your hospitality. I thank you You're for going to, to the lengths you did to be here and speak with us on the air. Uh, it's not easy. You have a very, very busy week, to say the <laughs> least, but hopefully you have a support staff that's been very helpful to you. I've got a great staff in place and the most amazing chefs. They have worked so wonderfully 
and under tremendous pressure and without sort of um, knowing, right. you know, what's going to happen each day. So I'm really proud of them. Yeah, you never know what to expect at this yeah. point. Uh, Ellie Creel is going to be the recipient of our official Nahum Single Network <laughs> Dubai 2020 t-shirt. It is this shirt with which she can prove that she actually was part of our historic broadcast and had the pleasure, I hope, of hosting us in her wonderful <laughs> location at the hotel. This is for you. Thank you so much. And I thank much. you very, thank very you. much for being here and for helping us make history with our listeners. Thank you, and thank you for coming to the restaurant last night. Uh, yeah. And I'm so pleased, so pleased that you enjoyed it. And Very much so. Thank you again. We look forward to visiting you on more than one occasion. Yes, we Great. will be there. And for those of you who understand that we're actually recording Thursday's program Wednesday night, we are going to be joining you again tonight, please God. Our Fantastic. reservation is even in. No one could believe I actually took care of it, but I took care <laughs> of it. Imagine that. So we hope to see you later on. Wonderful. Hanukkah starts tonight, Thursday night, everybody. And uh, don't forget the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek is happening starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time, specifically designated for Shabbos Hanukkah. Uh, it will be uh, brought to you, of course, by the wonderful people at Kedem. We have a whole list of people to thank who uh, allowed us to be able to put this trip together and be part of this uh, really this amazing journey. I do want to remind you that this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old World Classics, beef, fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no-nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net and try A&H today. A big thank you to Aaron's Casino Farms, casinofarms.com. They're in Queens. A big thank you to Aaron's West Orange, aaronswestorange.com. They're in New Jersey. And remember, it's not just great specials and a wonderful shopping experience. It's everything you need for Hanukkah, from delicious baked goods, uh, to uh, wonderful items for your Hanukkah celebration to enhance your Hanukkah celebration at home. It's all available at Aaron's, and we thank them for their support. A big thank you, of course, to our Jewish Unity Initiative chair people, including Simon Jacob and jo Dr. Joe Rosazada. A big thank you to uh, Morty Getz and everybody at shopeichlers.com. I remind everybody that uh, tonight is Hanukkah. Tonight is Hanukkah. And you want to make sure that you go to the website at shopeichlers.com because they have something unique. It's called Same Day delivery. Yes, same day delivery for your Hanukkah shopping, for your menorahs, your candles, your oil, your pre-filled oil, gifts for your family and teachers and kids, gift cards and books. It's all available on shopeichlers.com. They deliver same day delivery to Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Toms River, Jackson, New Jersey, the largest Judaica store is now online. ShopEichlers.com. ShopEichlers.com. Everything you need uh, for Hanukkah. Same-day delivery. They can't do the same day. They do, they do priority, and they make sure to get it to you around the country as early and as soon as possible. Thank you to ShopEichlers.com and to Morty Getz, who made quite a commitment to make sure we could be here in the UAE. A big thank you to Mayor Kruder. Mayor Kruder and Kruder Photography and to koshertravelers.com and to Steinreich Communications and Ariella Steinreich and to Cross River Bank, Jules Gade and, uh, and Phil Goldfeder and everybody at Cross River. All of them came through for us to make this trip possible. To the Rothenberg Law Firm who always sponsor our special events, a big, big thank you to them as well. And the chairman of our event is, of course, Ralph Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum Financial Services, taxcpa2.com. TaxCPA2.com. He's the lay leader who made a commitment to be with us and to uh, sponsor our event. And frankly, folks, although we thought he'd take a little time off, he has been with us every minute of our programming, which 
Frankly, I don't know. I don't know how I do it, so I certainly don't know how he did it. But Ralph, I give you credit, and I hope you have found this to be a positive experience. Nachum, I thank you for inviting me to be a sponsor. I really do, because I did not know what to expect. I, I I came on the trip, and I said, "Oh, we'll go for a trip. We'll have fun. Wonderful." I was a fly on the wall, and I basically, after taking, after being here for two days. Two days, right? Two days, I'm forgetting. Yes. Two days, three days, I'm, I'm lost. But basically, so many listening to so many people, your conversation with these people, it was a master's course in interviews you've done. That's, that's how good it was. Thank you. Um, and I was inhaling what, what the guests were talking to. And as you were giving the NSN T-shirts out to the people, I liked to hear their stories. The fact they were comedic about it. The fact they were ma- making jokes about it. The fact they were very darn serious, and they are talking very, very interesting things about the current administration, Mr. Donald Trump, the, the next administration, whoever. Um, I'm, I'm, making a, I'm making a political statement there. My apologies. But bottom line is it what it really did. And what's very interesting, I've been texting people to listen to you, and I have a cousin, I have a friend in Israel who says, she'll get you here in February. So look at this. We have wow. the Israelis. They're coming. Yeah, they're coming. All right. So I, it's, it's really tremendously. And you did not ask me to say this, and I'm but I'm going to anyway. You didn't say, Ralph, whatever. Don't. You, I gave you no instructions. You gave me no instructions. Thank you. Yeah, but basically everybody knows that I'm a financial professional. And I'm telling you that it's the end of the year. And let's get your taxes in. But besides that, do your charitable deductions. And if you don't itemize, you can take a standing deduction per tax return. Right. What I'm getting at is... And here's the plug, and I think it's all well worth it. If you want to see Nachum do these trips for Jewish unity, by all means, give to the Foundation of Jewish Broadcasting. Thank you. Because it is tremendous things that you've done. The, 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 I have gotten such thrills, such excitement out of this, and I hopefully can express this when I, when I get back to the States. But and I'm thank sure you. you will. You'll be a great thank, ambassador thank for, you. for an important piece of Jewish history. And I thank you very much, and I do remind our listeners, as Ralph suggested, there's a website, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Year-end donations or donations any time of year keep us going. Uh, special trips have special designated sponsors. Ralph's one of them, obviously, and serves as our chairman of this event. But just to keep us going on a regular basis, we need your support. So fjbunity.org. And Miriam Wallach can attest to the fact that the, the, the more we are able to bring in financially, the more our programming becomes in terms of special programming. And that's all year round, not just when we're on the road and, uh, and doing these types of, uh, of missions. Uh, Ralph, I thank you. And to Ralph and B. Rosenbaum, thank God you. bless you and your family. Thank you. Continued success. And um, you've been a tremendous addition um, uh, to our support system, and I would bet that your community at home feels the same way uh, because we met because of a commitment that you had to your community to do special things for them out there in East Brunswick, and that was many years ago. So all I could say is that uh, we are now the beneficiaries of you being involved in a community effort, in this case, ours. That is correct, and I thank you very much for that. And I recall that many many years ago at Young Israel East Brunswick, we had you for a weekend, and I sat there on a on a, a Saturday night interviewing you, which was interesting in itself. Um, and one thing I will say about Nachum was interviewing, if you drop the ball, he will pick it up and go with it. And it is a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you very much. Ralph Rosenbaum, look at TaxCPA2.com, TaxCPA2.com. And, of course, uh, go to uh, use your telephone yes. at 1-800-TAX-CPA2, 1-800-TAX-CPA2. 
CPA, too. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you. A big thank you to David Wallace of koshertravelers.com. We're going to do our theme song, and then Mary Wallach and I will wrap this whole thing up and uh, put a bow on what has been one of our historic trips. I don't think there's any other way to say it. Uh, this has been a trip of, uh, of true Jewish history that we were able to bring to every one of our listeners. I know it's Erev Hanukkah, but instead of the Hanukkah music for this moment, we're going to go to our theme about Shalom, about Salam, Aryeh Kunstler at JM in the AM. And now the uh, time uh, of each one of these journeys, the very emotional time <laughs> at the very end of these journeys where, uh, where Miriam, well, Miriam Wallach and I look at each other. Did and I just lose my L? <laughs> Miriam L. Wallach <laughs> and I look at each other and say, how on earth did we pull this off? And we're so proud that we did, frankly, and that's why it is an emotional um, a time when we uh, start reviewing these trips. Uh, it's amazing that we were able to pull this off. The reaction... So far, I can't speak for today's show, obviously, but the reaction so far to what we've done here has been absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Well received. The guest list was potent, to say the least. Indeed. 
uh, today, especially in terms of uh, volume. You must be exhausted. Oh, thank God. Uh, it's good to be this tired for this cause. I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. And um, and there you have it. Something that three weeks ago, uh, for those of you who really have been following, uh, was just the uh, you know the uh, seed of an idea has become a flourishing and incredible uh, stay in Dubai and one where we learned a lot. And I think just knowing that I learned a lot, I am sure our listeners learned a lot. And um, I was so glad that we had so many people on, not just from our own community here, but from other communities, especially the uh, the people that joined us from the Emirati community. Pretty cool, frankly. Uh, yeah. And um, and of course, some highlights uh, between uh, uh, between uh, all the guests we've had. We could really mention ten, fifteen highlights, but I will limit it to. It was really nice of Jason Greenblatt to go to the extent that he did to appear live in person and to conduct the conversation with us that he did. So a big thank you to him uh, for one of the highlights that made this trip so unique and wonderful. Well, I would have to agree with that, but I also want to mention that once people heard we were here, or that once people heard we were going, how many people jumped on the bandwagon? Do you know that this person's going to be there for that conference? And this person's going to be there. Let me connect you. They would love to get on. What an opportunity. And some did. Yes, certainly yeah. some did. But so many people. I mean, even as of late last night, we were getting texts. I was getting messages on Facebook. Please find a slot for this person. They, they have such a great story. So much to share with your listeners. It'll really enhance your broadcast. And they really want to meet Nahum. So, <laughs> wow, so thank th- you. you know, so there, there are so many just different elements to, to these productions, but they were completely, completely home. I mean, they were, they were so worthwhile. They were home yeah, runs. Thank God. And boy, did we learn a lot. Oh, he certainly did. My huh? eyes are open, and I am coming back to Dubai. Oh, wow. What a commitment. Enjoy. Don't worry. You don't You don't have to sit next to me on the next flight. <laughs> I'm assuming I won't. Um, also, I, I remind everybody that we have a full lineup today. Yeah, we have a full lineup. That and is true. That includes Charlie Harari next and then Michael Fragan. And then, of course, uh, a Jew in the City Speaks with Allison. And then you're going to be, quote, unquote, live from Dubai, a show that you did earlier in the week. But right. one that features some of the great people from here. So Ariella Steinreich and Flor Hassan. That'll happen on That's Life coming up at 10.30. Our live lunch will be a reflection uh, all through the musical components. Avrami, I'm sure, is going to be... Uh, They'll be an exhausted. Is, gonna be, is going to be uh, <laughs> uh, featuring some great Hanukkah music, etc. But right. we will have our impressions of this trip during our live lunch segment as well between 11 and 1 o'clock. And Friday morning, we're expected back in studio for a full jam and broadcast mm-hmm. from... New York City. You wanted to say. I do. Nahum, I'd like to present you with this historic (laughs) T-shirt. Thank you. Um, I I don't know if you've heard about this T-shirt. We had these T-shirts especially made for this trip. Whose idea was that, huh? Another genius idea. And I think that it's only appropriate that, that you have... This shirt, even though it will never fit you, I think it's appropriate <laughs> that true. you take this shirt me. because it proves that you were here. And while other people will say that they were here for these unbelievably broad, unbelievable broadcasts from Dubai, these historic broadcasts from Dubai, you get to show that you were actually there because you have this T-shirt. And so, so I present this so T-shirt you, to you. This so you, limited edition so T-shirt you, to you. Thank you. Is this so even a large? So you are either a Yes, gr- this is a large. So you are either a great student. This or makes so- it funnier that this so is you, a large. So you are either a great student yes. or someone who thinks she's funny. I actually am both, frankly. <laughs> I am, as I say all the time, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I am a good student. And so, and yes, 
I know I'm funny. That yeah. part I can tell you. So with this, I present this to you, and I hope you accept this on behalf of the network. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> is that how I sounded? No, you but sounded wanna, much better. Meanwhile, I think it's a good routine. It practice, is. So. It's such a good routine. I just stole it and used it on you. But Nahum, thank you, and on behalf of all of our listeners, we thank you for for being a trailblazer in, in so many different ways but for certainly trailblazing these stories back to our listeners around the world. We've done some great work, and this week is uh, is in that category. Achenu Yisrael and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AchimSegal.com and the AchimSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSNF. And that wraps up an amazing visit to Dubai. I cannot believe I'm actually saying this, but tomorrow morning in studio, JM in the AM, and we'll speak to Malcolm Honline and do a lot of our regular Friday Erev Shabbos things. Plus, we'll have some Hanukkah conversation because guess what? Tonight begins the holiday of Hanukkah. Hanukkah Sameach, Hagurim Sameach, Afrelch and Hanukkah. And happy Hanukkah to all. And a big thank you to our entire staff, Miriam Alwalik, Yoni Pollock, Avrami Finkelstein, uh, Yigal Siegel, ZK, Mayor Kruder, everybody who was uh, so instrumental in making this an amazing trip. Ralph Rosenbaum, our our chairman. And, and David all, Wallace, all of, of our wonderful Travelers. sponsors. And, of course, David Wallace, koshertravelers.com. We could not have done this without him. That's for sure. That is for sure. Have a fabulous Thursday and happy Hanukkah, everybody. Until tomorrow, Nahum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.